Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm starting my own campaign for Release the Whedon Cut. <laughs> what, you guys weren't aware? Joss Whedon shot most of Infinity War, and then they realized this is too overlong, too serious, we need more jokes, and so the Russo brothers just took it over, and like, what a disaster, right? So, there's a joke where you can say, this is dated. Like, this is already bad. Like, what do I do here? How do I finish this? (laughs) I mean, I'm Alex. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Britton. Guys, uh, truly, I feel like the podcast has in some way led to this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, We are here. The sequels have come. We, We could not live with our own Marvel Cinematic Universe. And where did it bring us? Back to Snyder. <laughs> yeah, so we are recording this one day after the five-year anniversary of mm-hmm. the first episode of the podcast. Aww. Yes, and, and theoretically should be going up tomorrow, which is the five-year anniversary of Batman versus Superman. How this mess began. <laughs> well, what is the five-year anniversary gift? It's... It, Ten or or China or what is it? I guess in this case it's like a soundtrack or a slow mo or something, right? I, I was gonna say, however many minutes this episode of the podcast ends up being, <laughs> that's my well, answer. Well, happy podcast anniversary! I was not there at the beginning, but uh, you're but here, here at the now. end. <laughs> but I'm at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just like. Deathstroke, Alex, Tyler, what are we talking about today? Yeah, we're we're talking about Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yes, a movie that uh, <clears throat> has a lot more cultural hold than I thought it would, but mm-hmm. it's being talked about on like news podcasts, Co- colloquially referred to as the Snyder Cut. Mm-hmm. I did um, like how in some of the early marketing, his name was bigger than Justice League. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> I think they knew how they were going about getting attention on this. For for both the people who were like, yeah, Zack Snyder, and the people who were like, they're really yeah. doing this? Like, yep. I think they... It's It, it really has all led to this. I, I do yes. feel like this is... The end. The end of an ongoing saga of the podcast. <laughs> this is the end of the uh, the Snyder saga of yes. Here Come the Sequels, and we will never mention him again. <laughs> no, That's clearly not, not. Don't hold rise me to of that. Snyder Walker. Now, uh, <laughs> I should qualify before we go forth. I did not see the 2017 Justice League uh, mm-hmm. uh, picture, and I don't in- intend on seeing it. Correct. So. Maybe there might be stuff I in this movie that I praise. It's from the original. I don't know. Um, but I know y'all have both seen it. Uh, Tyler, you saw it twice. I did. As yeah. we brought up many times yeah. on this podcast. Yeah, and let it be known, he paid for the ticket both times. <laughs> also correct. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I, I went into this uh, as, as, a, as, as a newborn foal blinking into the sun, mm-hmm. uh, wondering... How how much sunlight I would have before Zack Snyder took it away from me before uh, <laughs> the, the the Drogon to your metaphor Zack Snyder swooped in and ate you <laughs> exactly um. <laughs> exactly he would be Drogon <laughs> it's 
Exactly. Yeah, uh, I mean, so the thing to know about that is that this cut does not include anything that Whedon added. Mm. Um, it's all the original film they had, plus new stuff. Um, there's no telling, uh, I think, what form... If, if some series of events had led to this being released in 2017, um, I think it's hard to say if it, it would have been quite the same experience. Sure. We, we don't really know exactly what was reshot. You can kind of tell some of the reshoots for the, uh, the Zack Snyder's version. Um, but yeah, it's, I think for the most part, it is just like, all right, well, I, I've been given kind of a blank check to do whatever I want with this. I'm going to include literally everything uh, and just make this like this bonanza of things that I wanted to throw in there. And you can't stop me from releasing four hours of it now. So <laughs> deal with it. Now, do we know, have a rough idea of like percentage wise, like how much of this heat was reshoots and how much of it was original footage? Because I mean, it, it felt to me like to make a four hour movie, he must have had to shoot a lot of extra stuff. But I guess that, that by that same token, if he, they, they, there's a lot that they didn't use the first time around. There's a lot we right. just sort of threw away. The the vast majority he had shot. Um, okay. okay. The only thing that has been made public um, in terms of actual reshoots is just the epilogue nightmare sequence. Okay. Okay. Um, the rest of the money was used for ADR for the actors mm. to come record additional lines, and then um. Uh, the special effects, finishing those. Up. Oh, okay, okay. And I believe the very last scene of the movie, see, it, I feel like that also appears to be a special effect, or not special effect, sorry, a reshoot. Sure. Um, oh, the Martian Manhunter stuff, yes. yes. I, I believe that's, that's at least the final scene in the movie is a reshoot as well, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Because cool. Ben Affleck looks about 40 pounds lighter. <laughs> sure. Which, good on him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, th- several times during this movie, I referred to him as Campbell's chunky Batman, uh, <laughs> which I, 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 I say that about the suit, not about Mr. Affleck. Well, you didn't see him w- during the reshoots right. in the theatrical cut because, uh, our, he our looks be- even chunkier. <laughs> our beautiful boy was in rough shape, uh, yes, when sure. they reshot the 2017 Justice League film. This is a but long his... time before the way back, okay? Yeah, but he found his way back. <laughs> he did there's find there's the way pre back. way back and post way back, okay? Uh, does this have a Rotten Tomatoes meter? Yes, it does. Um, so, <laughs> excellent segue. Zack Snyder's Justice League from 2021. It has a 73% mm. critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 96% audience <laughs> score. We did it, boys! <laughs> And it should we be noted, did it. this is after Rotten Tomatoes, like, I think it was, was that post-Last Jedi? I, I post-Last Jedi and post-Captain Marvel, yeah. Captain Marvel was the big one, yes, where, where Rotten Tomatoes redid things so that there was no way to, like, spam or bot uh, the audience yeah. scores. So, like, that being said, there's over 25,000 ratings according to, to the sure. website, so... And I imagine, I imagine there's a few bots here and there. <laughs> sure, but still, like, it's supposed to be a more filtered system. And yeah. I think that was pretty clear in, like, po- after Rotten Tomatoes did that. It, like, it definitely looked like things had changed a bit. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just 96%. <laughs> it's is... incredible. Um, 
Who who wants to go first? Uh, I was gonna say real quick, is that what is what is Snyder's highest rated film? Uh I think it's it might be Dawn this. of the Dead. I would it would almost have to be that or like three hundred or something. I think it yeah. might be Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, that's check. the one people no one knows about. <laughs> right. All right. Let me check if uh if Rotten Tomatoes doesn't come up with its stupid notification of oh we noticed you have ad blocker on. Okay. Yeah, well, I while do you're have, doing that, I'm gonna I go to have Facebook and check my pokes. Um, it's highest. His highest rated is Wonder Woman, which uh, what produced? Uh, uh, let's see. Yeah, Dawn of the Dead has a seventy-five percent, so just okay. barely edges it out. Okay. By that token, I guess Brad Pitt's best movie is The Departed, or Twelve Years a Slave. Correct. Um, cool. cool. Yeah, that's uh. That's significant. Um, Alex, Alex, as the resident Snyder fan, why don't you go first correct. with best and worst? Yes. Sure. Uh, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, and I, <laughs> I, that is the most shocking thing of all. Yeah. Like, I don't understand how the same people that made Batman versus Superman then go and make this movie. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Do we know how much studio interference BVS had? Because, like... Virtually none. I think probably the only mandates were probably put batman in there and then set up justice league wow i think my sort of assumption about this is like maybe it's just because they let him do whatever he wanted i think it's quite the opposite i think batman versus superman is Zack snyder basically unfiltered based on what i know they had some like jeff johns and some of the warner brothers people like on the set making sure he wasn't going too far Mm, okay so apparently he did have a little pushback on this one okay and then they overcorrected yeah um which what what pushback he did get at least while he was shooting it uh <laughs> seems to work for me uh yeah I, i'm absolutely shocked i really liked this a lot um i think it is significantly better than definitely bvs which i think once again is one of the worst superhero movies if not worst movies i've seen <laughs> um uh also it's significantly better than man of steel um i'm i'm absolutely shocked like i don't get it (laughs) um so starting off with that uh my best thing is going to be the team and the dynamics i like how this movie doesn't spend like it does take a while to get the team together but i do like how how we don't have like an obligatory they have to fight each other scene sure like of course they have to fight superman but that's because he's gone crazy and they're bringing him back to life like that that's a different context for me it's not oh, there's some dumb misunderstanding like in the first Avengers movie and we need them to fight because people want to see that for some reason. Um, I appreciate that that we just don't go there and and all the characters are actually not super antagonistic, um, which made them feel more real. Like, um, and, and we'll, t- we'll talk a little bit about the differences between the theatrical and, and, and this new cut. Um, Aquaman continues to antagonize Cyborg in the theatrical version by by being like, "Oh, you're part machine. You're you're from the mother box. How can we trust you?" And in this cut, you know, they're they're explaining what he has to do at the end. And there's a wonderful scene where Aquaman is talking with a Flash, and they're like, "We have to take this kid who just lost his dad and make him fight like this alien threat. Like this is terrible, and I I don't want to make this choice. Like I." 
I don't know. All of that stuff really worked, and, and it just felt like we don't need that conflict. There's already so much going on in the movie. Let's just have yeah. the team be a team. And, like, the way they're all working together at the end. Like, I loved all of it. And it didn't feel like we were doing borderline character assassination like we did in BVS. Um, all of the characters' actions and everything made sense, and... We didn't stop to have kind of nonsensical action scenes that didn't have any consequences or just felt like music videos, which I complained about with the Man of Steel review. Like everything just – we can talk about I, – I don't think Man, uh, Superman ultimately gets enough to do. I, I don't think he really gets a chance to be full-on Superman, but it's just like, well, Zack Snyder's not ruining him in this, so I'll call that a win. <laughs> Um, same with Batman. He's not, he's not like murdering everyone left and right. Like I, I'll call it a win. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think this is, this is far better than the theatrical cut. And I, I having my best thing be the actual justice league. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm so amazed that that even happened. <laughs> like I was expecting to hate half, half the characters in this movie. And I liked basically all of them. Um, they toned down Ezra Miller. They give, cyborg a character um which is completely different from the theatrical cut i i, I don't know it's great um if, if, you, if you're telling me that this was ezra miller toned down then i'm definitely not watching the justice no. League. do you know there about that there were several points where i was making the okay take it down a notch just <laughs> oh, this movie do you know the the brunch bit brunch yes oh dear <laughs> i do not but uh we're, we're maybe, gonna maybe have I'm to, happier. We're gonna way. have to get together and all record a, a commentary <laughs> for the the theatrical cut. <laughs> yeah, it's it's bad. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. There, there's dialogue for the Flash in that one, um, and quite a lot of dialogue for the Flash in that one. That is just like, wh- why? Sure. Like it, it's it's supposed to be funny, but it doesn't really land there. Yeah. And it just makes the character kind of obnoxious i don't know it's it's fascinating wow um um for worst thing honestly it took me a little while to figure out what my worst thing was going to be and even still like i've got a couple i can choose from because really i i i I was so shocked that i liked the movie i was like i'm not even gonna consider negatives right now like (laughs) i just live in the positivity of of a Zack snyder movie that i like um worst thing um I'll 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 focus on one of them for right now. Um, I think I'm I, the only area of kind of plot convolutedness or or just like you guys should have thought that through a bit more is is around the mother boxes and specifically the flashbacks that we get with Darkseid being defeated and apparently he forgets that number one all the mother boxes are on Earth. And number two, that the anti-life equation, which is a whole nother thing that's not properly explained in this movie, is is on Earth. Because you get to that that scene where Steppenwolf, you know, he, he's like, oh, this is the planet where that battle happened. And I'm like, shouldn't you know that? <laughs> and I feel like the second you say that and you say, like, to Desaad, oh, hey, this is where all that stuff's happening, uh... Decide would be like, oh, dark side. Let's let's go. Let's take the whole army there. <laughs> go get your stuff. Um, I thought all that was a little silly. Um, and then uh, also going along with that, kind of Superman's death, which we can talk about that opening scene because it's uh, the movie doesn't start out on the right foot. Um, 
having Superman's death set off everything, and it's like, oh, there's not a Kryptonian alive, that's why we can go attack Earth now, even though he was only there for, you know, 33, 34 years, so why couldn't you attack before? A bunch of different weird kind of convoluted things to get the plot set up, but once the plot was set up, I was fine with it. <laughs> kind of like Alien 3. <laughs> Anyways, I'll stop talking. No. <laughs> Um, uh, Tyler, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, so I also definitely, definitely liked it. Uh, this is not only the Zack Snyder DC superhero movie I've liked the most. It's the only one I like, (laughs) um, as evidenced by last week's podcast and whenever we did BBS. Um, I, I, for me, I felt like this is a movie that works really well in a vacuum where, mm-hmm. like, if I just don't think about them, there being any other DC movies, I'm like, oh, this is just, like, a thing I can watch. Like, this, it's like they took one of those animated DC movies and just made it live action and just said, all right, well, this is just, like, a thing you can watch. I was like, great, let me watch it. Um, I definitely liked it less than Alex, I can tell, <laughs> um, uh, which is totally fine, but I, I, I ultimately I do... I, w- I was expecting to appreciate the fact that it exists, but now I also like had some fun watching it and enjoyed it. Maybe not always on the level the movie wanted me to, but enjoyment is enjoyment. And I had a lot of enjoyment. Um, so, you know, there, there's a lot of bests and worsts I can choose that are fairly, they're like minutia. There are a lot of, up until towards the end, all of the, de- it was all the only problems I had were details. There wasn't like a grand issue that I had with the movie. Yeah. Um, so I, I I'm, I'm going to say that I think the thing that I think worked best throughout the whole movie for me was just all the stuff associated with Wonder Woman. Um, I think she mm-hmm. was the hero of the movie. And I think it also helps that only three of these characters, I know I just talked about this movie taking place in a vacuum, but only three of these characters for me have had another movie. Because I did, since I didn't see the original Justice League, this is my first time seeing Ray Fisher and Ezra Miller. Uh, a cyborg and flash, but I've, I've seen the wonder woman movies. I've seen BVS and I've seen man of steel. And so I, I don't like those, the, the boys movies, <laughs> those, those, the, I look like those movies. And I do two different degrees, like the wonder woman movies. And I was really happy that this movie didn't shy away. Like I, I, a Britain issue I have is whenever there's like a team movie, but Batman's in the team, he ends up being the ultimate hero. And that frustrates me. Like, but I'm reading a Batgirl comic. Does he have to be the hero? <laughs> like he's not, I don't mind him being there, but like, does he have to be the hero? And I really like that consistently throughout the movie, Wonder Woman was the heroic one that she was. I mean, I thought she was just fantastic. I loved all the stuff with them getting the, the uh, mother box and the Amazons and they're like tying a mother box to an arrow and shooting the arrow and whipping it all around. Like I thought that was really fun. Just everything with wonder woman, despite, and I think I said this in the 84 podcast that like, I think Gal Gadot is a good wonder woman. I don't think she's a great actress as wonder woman, but I think that she's does a good job playing wonder woman. Um, But I, I thought everything with her was, was really, really good. And my worst thing is, Maybe this is because I was coming off of Man of Steel, which I don't think I really talked about this in the last episode, but I don't, I've never read a Superman comic. So 
I, I don't feel like I have the foundation to complain about accuracy to him. But Superman does represent things that I care very much about and believe in very much. And I felt like Man of Steel just threw all those out the window and in some cases went against them. And so in this movie, he just seemed to be just kind of like a robot <laughs> that was like a weapon to be violent, to be more violent and almost gleefully violent. And I really, really don't like that when he's a good guy, he's got a black suit. And when he's a bad, scary guy, he's got a blue and red suit. I don't like that one bit. <laughs> like, that made me angry. Um, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> also, I thought in general the costumes, I didn't like the costumes in the movie. No, I I <laughs> would have similar. We'll talk about it. Britain, yeah. would, would, would your Superman concerns have been fixed if he had the mullet? Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> for, sure. for those who because... aren't aware, Zack Snyder very much did want a mullet for Superman after, which is, I think, a thing from the comics when he dies in Death of, Death of Superman. Uh, and then that was uh, vetoed, I guess, because they wouldn't have been able to fix it in, uh, in post uh, if they decided they didn't want the mullet. Yeah, the, the irony of that, that hair discussion so yes. early on. I would have loved if they were like, look, we got away with, we, we all can all agree we got away with CGI upper lip. I don't know if we can do CGI flowing mullet <laughs> as Superman, who's already basically a CGI character in this movie to begin with. Um, if we added some some luscious uh, uh, lower class locks to that boy. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, Flash was dressed like one of the Power Rangers in the reboot and Cyborg looked like Knack <laughs> from the video game Knack. And... <laughs> Uh, Wonder Woman's skirt seemed pretty short, and Batman looked like Campbell's chunky Batman. I didn't like the costumes. <laughs> Not a reflection on the actors. I just didn't like the way they were dressed. Oh, we even more so. We need to watch the theatrical cut because Snyder lights it in a particular way. Sure. That Joss Whedon just ignores. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, my best thing about Zack Snyder's Justice League is the fact that. The movie somehow manages to combine Zack Snyder's aesthetic with the with a almost traditional Justice League. Mm. Um and he arrives at this Superman kind of not notwithstanding. Um somehow, like you're saying, Britain, in a vacuum, he he somehow manages to land on these characters such that they feel mostly like their comic book counterparts, or at least like a, a version of their counterparts comic book counterparts um and i was really shocked by that i mean cyborg flash i think in particular like really shine and work well uh aquaman feel i mean aquaman feels like the um solo movie aquaman yeah i think yeah. He, he feels a little more in line tonally with that one um which is nice because in the theatrical one he has definitely played into more jokey and stuff and like more there, there's more it's it's trying to be too self-aware about yeah. like the fact that Aquaman is not a character that people particularly liked but also there's, like there's two separate jokes where they flat out say you talk to fish yeah um which Fun. which is just like you, you can just have it's Jason Momoa no one's gonna make yeah. fun of Jason Momoa behind his back <laughs> they're just yeah. gonna be like okay he's now like a cool viking dude that's neat yeah, Vikings probably not the right word, but um, anyway, uh, yeah, I was I was really impressed with the fact that the characters feel like 
they could be characters from a comic book story um, starring the Justice League, while also being... It's a lighter movie than BVS or Man of Steel, but it does still have a lot of uh, darkness to it. Um, Wonder Woman is is particularly violent, which I really enjoyed. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And speaking of Gal Gadot, uh, I agree that I think, and especially when they give her exposition, I feel like it's it's not super strong. But uh, she is really great physically. I feel like yes, Uh, great action performer. And yeah, really brings that to life in terms is they they give her the sword. Does she have a sword in BVS? Yes. Okay. Why doesn't she get to like decapitate Doomsday? Anyway, because um, <laughs> we gotta have Superman make the sacrifice she, play, even she, though he easily could have given it to Wonder look, Woman. I would have been I would have been fine if the, it still happened the same way, and then afterwards, like kind of like Thanos and. Uh, Thanos and mm. Thor in Endgame at the beginning of Endgame, if she got mad and then she decapitated, <laughs> that would have been that would have been enough for me. I just, I, I do want to point out the whole time Tyler <laughs> Tyler was going, she needs to decapitate someone, like or somebody needs to get decapitated. It, we it watched started, the, we, yeah, go it ahead. started with Steppenwolf showing up to get the mother box from the Amazonians. I was like, all right, got a big axe because I remember very specifically in the theatrical cut. Um, the theatrical cut basically does not have any blood in it. Um, right. I'm not sure how much the blood was like added here because Zack Snyder's like, oh, I can make it R now, sure. Um, or if that was ever like an intention. Either way, the theatrical or the Snyder cut looks quite a bit better because of the lighting. Like Alex mentioned, it it just it is the way it's intended to be used instead of Joss Whedon or whoever some sort of nebulous Warner Brothers collective um, just completely like butchering the way it's supposed to look with saturation and effects and and whatnot. Um, But I remember very specifically being mad because uh, Steppenwolf has this big old ax and he's, he's hacking away at these Amazons and it's kind of just like, boom, he'll he'll bump one off a horse or whatever. And and there's not like a lot of impact to it. Um, And I think in this early on in this one, he does maybe decapitate or, or maybe chop in half. Uh, I think Amazon? he chops. I think he ch- maybe chops one of them in half. It wasn't clear. Yeah, I think he get. Doesn't he get one of the uh, uh, aqua aqua kids, aqua guys, and Atlanteans? Doesn't he like hack up one of them? Maybe. No, no, no. I'm thinking of Dark Side. I think hits one of them with his eye beams. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, which is pretty good. Um, yeah. but yeah, uh, Stephen Wolf shows up and and he's doing that, and I'm like, all right. I gotta see the decapitate. Just like make it happen. Just go all out, because there is blood now. Like there's mm-hmm. there's random blood splatters throughout the movie, um, and I think I, there was a little bit in there, and I was like, okay, okay, I'm here for this. And like, it kept the movie kept doing similar stuff, but I just kept getting very like hyped about the idea of people getting decapitated in this film. Uh, and then at the end. Wonder Woman decapitates Steppenwolf and I I had both fists in the air and I was like, yeah! <laughs> and we'll talk yeah. about that because I, I do genuinely adore that scene. It's it's so <laughs> over the top and so like Snyder. Yeah, we'll yeah, talk yeah. about it. Um, but that's my point is that the movie does have a lot of stuff like that. That's It's it's violent. It's over the top. It's got these, these sweeping grim visuals that are like, this is the most intense thing that's ever happened. Um, and it manages to pull that off in a way that all feels like 
relatively sincere and feels like there is a respect for these characters and there is an attempt to make these characters really like lovable and charismatic and like ones that we can root for. Uh, so yeah, I, I was, I was very impressed that it able, it was able to kind of blend that. Um, in terms of, a, Oh, did you have something? Burn? I was going to say, uh, you know, we, we joke a lot on this podcast. People joke a lot about Zack Snyder being this like grim, dark director on saying super violent things. I was surprised at how, tame this movie was compared to what it potentially could have been like yes mm -hmm. there is blood and there's decapitation and stuff but it's not like you know alex you described justice league dark apocalypse war and like i think that's the level of violence that like we joke about snyder wanting to do right but then in this it's like no i mean it's there's blood but it it, it didn't feel to me like i went well you know this had to be r Right, <laughs> like it, it felt like yeah, no, they they definitely got away with a little bit more, but not. It didn't feel gratuitous at any yeah. point in, in a way that I was like offended by. Sure. Um, and to that point, I will say real quick. Uh, and well, I'm sure we'll talk more about Superman, but uh, I also think it does a pretty good job of landing this quote unquote take on Superman. Um, because uh, as I complained about a lot last week, it's like, it, it's very hard to get a read on what exactly the goal was for Man of Steel. And by the end of this, Superman is like, well, uh, he is more or less Clark Kent, uh, but he's, as Superman, he's got a black suit, uh, and he's real violent. <laughs> he's, he's, he's just real aggressive. Uh, and I was like, okay, well... <laughs> At least we've settled on a choice here. Look, <laughs> like, I, look, I'm just happy he pointed all of his aggression at the bad guy. Okay, this is true. Right. This is true. Right. Um. So yeah, I I don't know necessarily what my worst thing would be. Um. I, I actually I will I do I do. Um. <laughs> it's one very specific scene that that is like. That we will have, we'll, we'll continue talking for hopefully not three hours, um, <laughs> and I'm sure we'll have many other thoughts on things the movie did incorrectly or badly. Uh, but the only one that really stuck with me is like I really wish they hadn't done that. Is there's a scene where Lois and Martha have a mm. conversation, and it's a very sweet scene. It's a great conversation. Like Martha is basically encouraging Lois, like, "Hey, you got to move on. You, you know, you're you're better than this. You're a great reporter." It's the only time Martha has encouraged anyone to do yes. anything. <laughs> it's the only time Martha feels like a comic book Martha Kent. Um, and then she leaves and turns into the Martian Manhunter. And we realize, oh, which also uh, my immediate reaction was to say the Martian Manhunter. Um, and uh, <laughs> I don't know if. I feel like somebody working on this movie had to think of that, right? Like, oh, that's kind of, it's Martha, Martian. And then, like, maybe they could have thought of that and, like, st I don't know. I guess oh. it hasn't taken fire on the internet yet. Maybe maybe we See, can start it. You say no, that. I, love, I, love I that. think Zach was the one who thought it up. And he's like, oh, that's good. That's <laughs> I think awesome. he saw that Elizabeth Olsen movie, Martha, Marsh, Martha, Martha May Marlene, <laughs> and was like, wait a minute. <laughs> uh... But yeah, I was really bothered by the fact that that was like, oh, a, a really great scene between two women who are like very hurt and like emotionally like yeah struggling and like supporting each other, and then oh, we're we're throwing that away, and that very right. much feels like a afterthought, um, because mm. Martian Manhunter shows up at the end, 
that like we talked about and he talks to batman he's like hey i'm here batman's like cool sounds good (laughs) um and you don't like if you're gonna do that just just have it be a scene that just sits on its own yeah you don't have to like have uh, you don't have to introduce him earlier in the film if he's not actually gonna be relevant because especially that whole epilogue section which we'll really have to dive into um there's a nice like montage at the beginning where uh cyborg is listening to his father's tape that he left for him um but then it transitions into just like a bunch of deleted scenes or like post-credit scenes that that's just like we just assembled (laughs) some extra footage for you uh it's not going to connect to anything it's not going to be like furthering the story of the film you just watched but we're just going to suddenly transition into just bonus features um and the like but if you do that you can basically just say at the end hey by the way martian manhunter's here <laughs> cool uh yeah i don't know that i no, i agree i agree i don't think you need to do anything that impacts the actual story of the movie uh if if that's all it's going to be used for so yeah i mean along those lines i i actually liked this is my <laughs> another potential best thing is a uh, green lantern batboy Mm-hmm. That in one of the flashbacks to one of the early times when not Thanos, Darkseid right. um, was showing up and all the Amazonians and Atlanteans uh, were hanging out and fighting him. There's just a Green Lantern there and that's mm-hmm. just, they don't explain it. And I understand it's there to be like, hey, so now we know, so like we can do that if we want to. But also is this movie isn't really like a movie. It's just kind of a thing you can have. So, but also it's there. <laughs> and then well, we see the ring go off and fly away. So yeah. well, John Stewart can find it. Snyder wanted to, instead of Martian Manhunter, he wanted to do Green Lanterns instead. And that would kind of be the, the cliffhanger at the end of the movie of like, oh, Green Lanterns come to yeah. visit Bruce Wayne. And Warner Brothers said no to that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was just because people relate that too much to the Ryan Reynolds movie or, or whatever. And he was like, sure. okay, so Martian Manhunter was the compromise. Yeah. Yeah. Or I wonder if they were just like, if you, if you, you can introduce Martian Manhunter without us then needing to make a Martian Manhunter movie. Sure. But if you yeah. introduce Green Lantern in this, we are now going to have to make, we are going to have to get like a name actor. True. To be hopefully John Stewart. We're going to get, which apparently people have been throwing around John David Washington for John Stewart, which I am very much behind. That would be great. Yes please um that would be quite cool but uh but you know maybe maybe it was that where they were like we we don't at this point know what we're gonna be allowed to make and what people want from us we gotta see what jimmy gunn's movie's gonna do and like we got a lot of (laughs) we gotta see what's up which i would like to see jimmy pistols (laughs) oh he's such a great tap dancer jimmy pistols um i i would love to see uh a new Green Lantern. I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. But, you know, someday, someday down the line. No, I, I, I did agree. Cause I, I also liked that scene. It was, it was nice to see Diane Lane get some stuff. And I think she added an accent <laughs> for this movie mm. where she seemed a little bit more, there's a little bit of a twang. I may be imagining that or have forgotten it from Man of Steel. I don't know. Kevin um, Costner changes his accent in between <laughs> movies. So why not? That's true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But I thought that, uh, yeah, but it wasn't that I was like, I mean, I like Martian Manhunter quite a bit Same. as a character, yeah. but I was like, okay, I feel like you kind of took the power out of that scene yeah. by, by 
by adding this this uh, super powered stretchy man. Well, it also raises just too many questions because number one, it's just like, oh, there's this brand new alien character. We know nothing about him. Right. How does he know anything about Martha? Like she in, in that scene when he's disguised as her, she is saying so many things about like what's going on with her life that would mm-hmm. seem to be true. Um, but how would he know that? Um, and then he turns into General Swanwick, uh, Harry <laughs> Lennox's character, and I'm like, that doesn't <sighs> quit dragging back <laughs> in the nonsense. I, we we have a nice. I know it's long. We have a but but it's a nice straightforward yeah. story. Don't convolute it. And that was that was one of the times where it was like, okay, we're we're starting to verge back into BVS territory where you're just doing a thing to say you're doing a thing instead yeah. of actually trying to tell a story. Which, I mean, even if you're going to do that, like, and I assume maybe they didn't have him show up in the final scene for scheduling conflicts or whatever. Um, I don't know what he's up to these days. But, like, you could have him show up and then transform into Martian Manhunter. And that could be, like, a like a lead-in. Like, yeah. hey, Bruce Wayne, the, the U.S. military needs to talk to you. And it's like, oh, wait, no, they don't. I'm Martian Manhunter. <laughs> um you could do something like that and still have that work. But in the movie now you have Martha turns into him and then turns into Martian Manhunter. It's like, why, why would you, why would there be a stop there? Why, why would there be a, a, an extra transition? I don't know. Uh, Yeah. And I, and I get that like in, for the ending scene, it's supposed to be a, a quick fake out that we think Superman's coming to see him because of the, Mm -hmm. the dream he just had. And we just see the Cape and everything. And then, Oh, it's actually John Jones. But Jean Jones, excuse me. Uh, but yeah, it was it was odd. It was Did odd. you appreciate him going, some people know me as the Martian man t- hunter, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, comic book fans. I don't yeah, buy that anyone people? in this universe actually calls yeah. you Martian Manhunter. Did you, did you, you miss mean the Darwin part? Cook? Like, who knows you that way? <laughs> did you miss the part where he winked at the camera after that? <laughs> that would have been great. And, the, and then the camera, like, did like the old Warner Brothers like hump like closed in on him? Look, if we went back for another uh, look at that Linda Carter see- scene at the end of Wonder Woman eighty four, you'll see that her eyes flash red for just a second, <laughs> and that was the clue all along. All, all of these movies, Harry Lennox has been le- le- like lingering in the back. He's, he's the like- Stanley cameo of the DCEU. Okay, <laughs> he's one. He's like at the carnival in in uh, uh, Shazam. He's like. Get your tickets here. Mm. <laughs> you you could have made that if you could reach it. What? That's not even like a pun on anything. It's just you can you're stretchy. That's really all that means. Mm-hmm. At least the Harry Linux cut of the DCEU. Thank you. And what? the Annabelle one. Yeah. Where what do we want what do we want to talk about first? Um, I, 40 I, minutes into the podcast. I, I did want to ask kind of the big question because everyone's making a huge deal out of this. Um, so I, I don't know how long we want to touch on it. How, how did you guys feel about the four-hour runtime? So uh, I watched it in pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched it in specifically three. And I, I'm fine with it. I, and I think it's because I it was streaming at my house and I could just watch it at my house. Like, right. and, and I actually think that it being broken up into parts um 
which I know that was also part of the, oh, this was going to be a series at one point, and now it's a movie. I, that was part of that. But that actually helped me because then mm -hmm. there became like, even though some of them didn't necessarily need to be like sectioned off from each other, there came like, oh, well, I've watched an hour of this movie, but this part's almost over. I'll knock out a few more minutes and finish it. I think it kind of worked for me. And weirdly enough, I, I think that, again, for me who hadn't seen the theatrical cut and two of the, because I forgot to mention Aquaman earlier that I've obviously seen Aquaman. Um, but you, you have two of these characters who I've, never met in a cinematic movie before or a lot in a in, in this universe before you did I, I technically getting, meet flash that's true that's true i liked getting that in a weird way i think the build-up worked for me um and i i think strangely i think this movie works better as a four-hour just we're just doing it yeah, <laughs> like yeah deal with it and i i do not feel that i think there are going to be people who think this is now the way we have to make movies we have to give every director of a movie that didn't <laughs> overperform we have to give them their definitive unbroken four-hour vision we don't four hours is not a necessary runtime for movies um look at dunkirk or a lot of movies but i think that in this case it actually helped it be what it should have been Yeah, and I, I mean, I think it's clear that, like, Zack Snyder is very specifically that kind of director. <laughs> like, yeah. that's that's just yeah. what, I mean, BVS, he, <laughs> he wanted to be three hours, and the ultimate cut was three hours. Um, Watchmen, he's, there's, there's four cuts of, or whatever, and they get progressively longer. <laughs> like, you know, there, there's certain directors who, and I... <laughs> It's interesting because I a lot of people have been saying like, oh, well, you know, Lord of the Rings is four hours and that's fine. Um, I feel like there's similarities between Peter Jackson and, and Snyder's approach in some cases, like with the way that some of the set pieces play out and like how the visuals are, are focused on and, and like how much craft is put into the actual like giving the action weight. Um, mm -hmm. I think there's something to that. And I think Peter Jackson is the only other person who at least pre- maybe not pre-Hobbit, but, like, during that period where he made The Hobbit and, like, nothing else and apparently just hated his life. Uh, I know that did not work for him, but the first... Or his King Kong is super long and, like, all the Lord of the Rings movies are super long. Um, I feel like there's only a few directors that can do stuff like that. And it's kind of just, like, can they make it entertaining or can they not? Uh, because a lot of directors, if you tried to say, hey, bring me the, the four-hour cut of the movie, um, they would probably be just completely unwatchable because there'd be a ton of scenes that are redundant and, and don't, yeah. you know, kind of cover the same exposition, don't really need to be there, um, and it would just be a waste of time. But, like, I, I think it worked in this case. Yeah. Uh, and I think it used the time pretty well. Like, I don't remember there being a lot <clears throat> where I was going... Why are why are we why are we still do why, until yeah. some some pieces at the end, um, mm. but that was that's other stuff. But I think that by and large, I was like, no, I think you're using these four hours. Like, I'm I'm getting my minutes worth. Mm -hmm. Like, stuff is happening and it's relevant to the overall goal of this movie. So like, yeah, I, yeah. I was just gonna say I'm I'm kind of two minds about it, because um, on the one hand, I'm like. I don't know what everyone is, was expecting. Like, when you hear a four-hour cut of a Zack Snyder movie, of course there's going to be an ideal middle ground where it's like, yeah, yeah, the movie could probably be three hours or two and a half hours. 
yeah, but that, like, I, I don't know why everyone was going in with this. It feels like a lot of people have, like, this different expectation. So hearing people being like, oh, it drags or it's boring. And I'm like, well, like, I mean, yeah. number one, I didn't think that. Thank but also, like, I don't you. know what you were expecting. Yeah. And I, I mean, I perfect bringing up Peter Jackson. I thought of this as the equivalent of one of the Lord of the Rings extended editions where I'm sure there's an ideal cut that trims everything down. I'm glad that we have most of the stuff in this movie. Um, even the, the dumb stuff, the silly stuff that can be cut out, like the um, people in the fishing village chanting and, and <laughs> the, the girl picking up Aquaman's shirt and sniffing it. It's like, that's weird. Sure. That can be cut. Like, there's easy stuff like that, but, like, it didn't detract from and the experience for me at all. That That's exactly my point. I think you can cut that stuff in terms of... But I know we've talked about it on, this, on, this, on, on the podcast before that, like, movies are not just information delivery services. It yeah. is about creating an experience, and I think that... When we talk about the soundtrack, I will have much to say about that for this movie. But I think that, like, that is the perfect example of, like, the fishing village people just chanting and, and all that. And I was like, no, it, this isn't necessary, but, like, why else do you go to the movies except to have an experience? And I think mm -hmm. that this is very much what's not – I think it's about adding a feeling. And I don't even really love or hate that scene, but I think it's a great example of, like, no, it's not necessary, but it's there's – a, there's a reason for it, and I think it worked. It it's also one of the few scenes where we actually get like, how do like normal people feel about these right. these larger than life characters? Like, yeah, that, that wasn't just a, a a montage of real life newscasters telling us <laughs> what people are tweeting or something. Right. Yeah. No, I needed Neil deGrasse Tyson telling me what he thought of Steppenwolf. Okay, that's what the movie. Yeah, was exactly. Using. I wanted I wanted Wolf Blitzer being like, being like, oh, sir. Uh, the, uh, Gotham's uh, laboratory exploded today. Uh, big fire. That's how he talks. <laughs> and he liked Rorschach, apparently. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, sorry, going back to the, the, the pacing. Um, I think it would have been, like, sad to not get everything laid out on the table at this point. Like, yeah. this is this is what we wanted for better or worse it is yeah. the snyder cut like it's yeah, it's got it all um right. and i was really expecting the movie to feel less finished as well yes i really didn't think that the, the time and money he'd been given was going to be enough to actually like complete everything and that there was going to be a lot of rough stuff but like i you could have released this in theaters and it would have looked good like it looks I, significantly better than the theatrical cut <laughs> oh yeah not not just color saturation and all that stuff Visual effects wise, it it yep. is significantly mm -hmm. better. I I assume <laughs> a lot of which is probably because they were shot and those scenes that were shot to composite in the effects were done with a certain right. visual like idea in mind, and, right. and there was planning yeah. when Snyder was doing it on the set because he is very good at that. If nothing else, yeah, he can make a thing and, look and, pretty good, and it's something that. And I, I respect when movies do this, when it's like, look, you don't have, you may not like the style that this movie's done in, but it's doing it. It's leaning into the style, and that's the point. Like, Terrence Malick movies are like this, mm -hmm. and, and Snyder is like that. And I like that I watched the movie around. This is what Snyder wanted, and I may not like all of it. I mean, yeah, largely I did, but that's okay because I'm just glad that I'm getting something like unfiltered and genuine yeah. from him. Because, like, that's hard enough when we have a lot of movies made by committee 
Um, I like that there's something out there that's like, no, this is a very specific thing, and you can just you can just experience it. And I and I'm glad that that exists for that reason. And talking of leaving on the table, um, I liked the soundtrack. Uh, Needle drops a lot in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I think each one for me started off with me kind of chuckling like, oh, oh, we're doing this. And by the end of it, I was like, yeah, we're doing this. <laughs> Specifically, uh, when there's just, just a sequence of Aquaman standing on a pier looking at the water and they play that Nick Cave song. Yeah. There is a kingdom. And we just do that for a while. And then there's a bunch of waves crashing on him and he's gone. And I was like, that was like, th- we're three minutes closer to being done with this. That was great. <laughs> But then the real example for me is is the Flash intro, which uh, I, I can also get in another comment here, which is towards the end of the movie, I thought the Flash slow-mo was too slow because at times it felt like there was just nothing happening, as opposed to where slow motion can be used to actually increase the momentum of a scene. You, you take that pause from the breakneck speed to kind of get a sense of where everything is and get a perspective and then you're right back into it. A lot of the slow mo flash stuff just felt like unending for for me, and I was like, "You can take this up to like point five, <laughs> like just give me uh, just inch it a little bit." But in this sequence, I really liked how it opened with, you know, the dog barks at him in slow motion, but he pulls his hand away in regular time. I really liked the way Snyder was showing us how Barry Allen relates to the world in terms of his speed and the world speed. I thought that was all yeah. really interesting. And, um, and I, I, you know, he's auditioning for the dog place, interviewing for the dog place, <laughs> um, auditioning for the dog walking business. And and then he sees Iris, uh, get into a car accident and he runs out to save her. What the movie, instead of doing just like a cool Quicksilver slow-mo, like, oh, he got her. It's like a four minute, just time just stops. And he says, has to stare at her. And he gingerly removes a hot dog from the air. Mm-hmm. And they're playing Song to the Siren, which is a beautiful song that is, I think, probably the best part of uh, Lovely Bones, to bring up Peter Jackson again. And it just that was a perfect time where I was like, oh, okay, we're doing this. And then I went, no, we're we're really, let's do it. Come on, Zach. Finish that song. <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> it was so, by the end of that scene, I was like, I'm so glad that that just happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even the fact that I kind of zoned out in the middle of it. I like that we're just going to have a full scene of Barry Allen in, you know, Frozen Tie. I thought it was just so great. (laughs) I was like, I don't even need to like this. I like that it exists. He he grabs the hot dog, and I remember, because I don't don't know if we've clarified this, but Alex and I did get to watch it uh, together, and uh, and all in one sitting. We knocked it out. Uh, Which might have helped with the slow-mo, Britain. I apologize. (laughs) Sure. I think just me and Tyler just, like, passing the time of, like, Wait, do we not hate this movie? Oh, oh, yeah, <laughs> oh Flash sense. is run. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do we not hate this movie this though? <laughs> um, but he grabs the hot dog, and we were both like, "Why? What? What you do?" I wish there? he had just started eating it. I know. I was like, "That's like a raw hot dog." Like, I don't, I don't know where we're going with this. But then he feeds it to the dogs to and and uses it as like, a, "Oh, I, I, you know, I always have meat on me, so I can uh, keep the dogs calm." And you know, yeah. And then he, it's a genuinely good joke to button that scene with yes and i think he he's <clears throat> finishes talking to the lady by being like so i start on monday and then it yeah. just cuts and it's comedic timing like it's yeah it's there 
Well, I also works. love that before the car accident, there's a man driving a semi on like a crowded street and yes. he's just like eating a big <laughs> messy hamburger. And he's just but, like, blah, 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 blah. and then he drops it and he's like, no, I need it. But <laughs> like, he also, he, he drops the entire, it's not like, you know, he's, he's eaten most of the hamburger and then like some of it's like, he just, he, he's taken one bite out of this thing and yeah. immediately was like, whoops, it's <laughs> under my brake pedal. He, he went like, I'm in the city, so I either just left my pickup location or I'm very near my delivery location. No, I need this messy, <laughs> messy, wet burger now. I need to just slop this into me. It was so funny to me. Also, the way the, way the hot dog cart flips is, like, very yeah. intense <laughs> when he hits it, like... It does oh, these, just completely. It does, yes. Uh, and then uh, I think it lands, like, ten seconds after the scene ends. The slow scene ends. <laughs> um, yeah, I just I, thought all that was, was, was <clears> great <throat> because I liked that I was... I liked that they were just leaning into the whole thing. So, Britton, I think we need to talk about the third act with you. And this sure. ties into Flash because I want I want to talk about Flash. And, and I think, ultimately, he is some of my favorite stuff in this movie. Um, or has some, does some of my favorite stuff. Uh... So in this movie, um, there's a point where uh, Cyborg is trying to keep the uh, the mother boxes apart, and he fails because a uh, parademon man- manages to shoot down the Flash, um, and the Flash is trying to charge up energy to come help Cyborg like power them apart. Um, mm-hmm. And so they all come together and create the unity, whatever that means, and this big explosion happens, and like everyone gets disintegrated, um, and Flash phases through it. He just goes goes hyper hyper speed time, uh, mega speed force, and he he phases through it, <clears throat> and he he gives this like really sweet pep talk to himself. He's talking about his dad, and like he's kind of like hyping himself up, and, and like basically saying like, you know what, dad, I didn't, I'm I, I am somebody. I'm I'm doing yeah. this for for myself, and you should be proud of me. Um, which is also great. There there's a scene with Billy Crudup earlier in the movie that I think yeah. mostly makes it into the theatrical version without too much stripping of things um but basically it's a good scene yeah uh billy crudup plays his dad and is trying to convince him to to do something with his life that doesn't involve getting him out of jail um for which he was wrong wrongly or he was wrong wrongfully convicted of his wife's murder and that's why he's in there um anyway there's nice character stuff going on there it's a really epic scene i honestly wasn't sure if he was gonna do fix the situation yeah. i i really thought like this movie might just like end with half the, the justice league dying and then we got to fix that mm-hmm. uh in in the the next movie snyder's just making us like be like are you gonna get a, a justice league too i don't know that's on warner brothers <laughs> um but flash is able to do it he saves the day um it was like one of the more i think like cathartic moments i've action moments i've i've seen in a long time in a movie because again i didn't know for sure that it was going to work like i was like oh where are we going with this um so it does do it it's i think it's a really great scene i i think that whole thing is Mm -hmm. like i i love that uh and i love that he is like kind of the the final savior of that bit um and then of course we immediately followed up with wonder woman decapitating steppenwolf as they throw his lifeless body back to dark (laughs) side it's so good it's so good. <laughs> like that, that bit, I was just like, this is everything I ever could have possibly wanted from a Snyder cut in, in terms of it being good. Like if right. it was good, this is how I wanted it to be good. 
Um, in in the theatrical version, uh, Flash is going around trying to save people, um, who are apparently living near Chernobyl. It's never explicitly said it's Chernobyl, but it's it's pretty clear it's Chernobyl. I think in the theatrical, um, okay. which is also never explained as to like why Steppenwolf and his crew are there. Whereas in the Snyder Cut, it's like, oh, there's radiation. That's why they're doing it. It's, that's useful to them somehow. Cool. Explanation. Um, and so basically, there's this insert of Flash and Superman trying to save people. And it's just kind of all jokes. Uh, there, mm. There's a, a meme or a thing that has become a meme where people make fun of the Russian family. Um, because there's a family that Joss Whedon apparently has inserted into the theatrical version where uh, Flash is, is having some banter with this family that he's trying to save who's trying to drive away in their truck, and they're not, not fast just enough. That, not just that, they get, like, two or three scenes sprinkled throughout the yes. movie of them, like, cowering in their home because, like, parademons are flying around. Like, they are, like, a subplot of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um... <clears throat> and then Superman is like, oh, you're saving a truck? That's cute. I saved a whole building of people. And then that's kind of just... And then and Superman takes out Steppenwolf, and that's kind of just the end of the movie. And Steppenwolf gets boom-tubed away. Um, <laughs> and, like, we w- when we started the film, I remember saying to you, Alex, that I was very concerned about whether the third act would pay off. And, like, yeah. if that would... Because I think we were getting, you know, half an hour into it, and we were like, oh, we're kind of enjoying this. And I was like... I can see how adding the extra stuff in the first and second act is probably going to make it a lot better. I was very curious about the third act and it, it is shocking <laughs> the the level of the the difference uh in terms of that finale and kind of the the punch it packs uh in the Snyder cut versus the theatrical cut. It, it definitely sounds like it. I'll be honest, I did not really realize until Flash had saved the day what had happened. Sure. Um <laughs> I think I just wasn't paying super close attention or I, I think I may have just checked out because I was like, this slumbo's taking forever. So I'm just not going to pay that much attention to what's going on. Yeah. Um, or, 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 or whatever. I don't know. I don't, I'm not good at following plots, but I thought that I thought that was all cool. Like once I realized that's what happened, I, I think it definitely worked. And I, I've alluded a lot to having problems with the third act. Ooh, what does he mean? Well, Really, I, it blows black suit and the fact that mm-hmm. I think Superman is just as boring to me as he was in Man of Steel. Um, and I think a lot of that is just, I, it, I, yeah, I think it's just that he didn't seem that different from what he felt like in Man of Steel, which because I just watched that. And Alex, I remember you mentioning in the Man of Steel episode that like, because I hadn't seen it since 2012, I was, I had room to be like surprised by it in a way where I know you've like seen it more recently and are more, much more familiar with it. So like, yeah, okay. Like you have a very different bar set for right. a barometer set for how you view this version of Superman. And I'm still in a, in, in at a, at a more, at a more tender um, stage with it where I can be like, but you're, why are you doing that? Um, and but, then there was stuff. But in- this isn't my granddad's Superman. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then I think that. This um, isn't even my Superman. <laughs> exactly. And then I think getting into like the epilogue, which is the whole other conversation, there's stuff that in the moment I found frustrating, but now I think it's kind of funny. <laughs> and now that I'm like, all right, okay. Now that I see what you're doing, 
I'm kind of, I'm still not into it, but I can like appreciate it on some level. Um, but otherwise, I do think as a climax, apart from Superman just showing up to be the howitzer they used to slowly punch Steppenwolf <laughs> many, many times. Right. <laughs> I was like, okay. But again, I, I, I liked the little moments of teaming up. I liked that Wonder Woman gets Steppenwolf with the lasso of truth and like Aquaman helps her pull on it. And I liked, you know, I liked all that stuff. I liked the mini establishing shots of the Justice League as though Snyder couldn't figure out what was going to be his establishing shot of the Justice League. <laughs> so he kept being like, uh, we'll do it like this. We're coming up from the t- bottom. Look, no, 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 no. For across the side pan. Uh, maybe look, we'll do this one. Snyder has a serious problem in his other DCEU movies of establishing shots to scenes. I'm sure. okay if he goes overboard this time. Oh, sure, sure. No, it. I was fine with it. Um, <laughs> also, but, yeah, I will yeah. say on the Superman front, uh, they did immediately win me over to, to this current version, I guess, of Superman. Um, and, and the just the specific, yeah, ju- this particular movie, um, mm. In the final, the finale, because he shows up and, and Steppenwolf tries to hit him with his axe, or Steppenwolf's trying to hit Cyborg with his axe, and then Superman blocks it, um, and with it, like, just by, like, standing in front of it, which is pretty neat, um, yeah. and he's, like, not impressed, uh, and then he blows, uh, Frost on the axe and cool. shatters it for the first time good. in any of these movies, and I was like, all right, all right, yeah, that was awesome. bringing it back around, because I think, <laughs> didn't we complain about not having him not having frost breath in the last movie yeah not that it's like a thing yet you necessarily have to do but i thought it was neat yeah no i did that i i, I like that that moment uh as well yeah i um by and large i think the third act was fine it's just then i also, I mean i was just in a weird headspace when i finished it but i think just towards the end there was a lot of like wait what yeah okay what <laughs> <laughs> oh okay it, what? <laughs> it would help if we knew a little bit more about like what the purpose of the mother boxes and the sure, unity. Cause sure. like, we're just told that it's very dangerous and you, and it shouldn't happen, but we don't yeah. really know like what Steppenwolf's ne- goal necessarily. Well, we know Steppenwolf's goal. We don't necessarily know dark side's goal right. in accomplishing this. And it's funny watching this, it is nigh impossible to watch this movie and not compare it to the first Avengers and to Endgame. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I were someone who didn't know, who only only was watching the movies, had no idea about any sort of comic ideas or anything, I would 100% think Darkseid was just a ripoff of Thanos. Sure. And the thing about Marvel, like the deep dark secret of Marvel and DC is there are a lot of analogous characters. Maybe not too specifically, but like Hawkeye and Green Arrow. Um, that's it. Uh, <laughs> you know, like Adam and Ant-Man and... You you have you have your your less specific like Iron Man and Batman like I mean yeah no like Wonder Woman and Thor uh, yeah I think occupy yeah. a lot of the same spaces like yeah no there there's hundred percent a lot of similarities between some yeah. of the main characters and I think that's fine I don't hold that against anybody and that's not a criticism of anything but I think there's a lot of like oh there are multiple mother boxes like Infinity Stones and they're all meeting each other and learning to get along. Like in the first <laughs> Avengers. Now, but if you're us who have read varying amounts of comics and see the details in these things, it's very easy for us to be like, oh, this isn't like Avengers or Endgame. Like it's it's like them in the way that like different westerns are similar. Sure. But it's not like them in the sense that it's a ripoff. Um but I still found that really interesting uh uh watching it. And that's not a criticism, that's just something that occurred to me. Um because I do think yeah. there's a movie like, you know, does 
stand apart from from the the Marvel pictures. It is also like ultimately, I think Thanos it, it uh, succeeds Darkseid. Like it, he is after. Oh yeah, uh, Darkseid was created. Um, oh okay, okay. No, sorry. I mean like. Yeah, yeah. Fo- follows him. Okay. Thanos, I, was like, yeah, I thought follows. you meant. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a better word. But uh, Thanos, I think, has a lot more iconic uh, mm. stuff. There, there. I was thinking about this the other day, and I realized that like, I think Marvel has a lot more like ambitious uh, villains in terms of your your Thanos and your you know Doctor Doom, um, Mister Sinister. Go- sure. Uh, well, I'm just thinking like big big picture like in terms of yeah. the, the villains that people would recognize um a lot of them are not necessarily just like this is the villain in this in this comic book story it's like oh uh you know thanos is is fighting against the cosmos and and the big uh sure. marvel powerful beings uh in order to get the infinity stones and conquer the universe and stuff like that. And it's like, he's not the strongest thing. There's another strong thing. And he's more concerned about fighting that strong, those like beings like uh, eternity and infinity and stuff than he is necessarily with earth's heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of that, like secret, the original secret wars, Dr. Doom uh, usurps power from the beyonder, who is this character who's created for secret wars. And he's like all powerful basically. But then Dr. Doom is like, I'm going to go steal that power. Um, and so I feel like a lot of their big villains have more character in that regard because sure. dark side, I think most, and I, I need to read more dark side storylines. Um, but I feel like a lot of the time his stuff is very much like, yep, I'm dark side. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to kill you all. I'm going to yeah. be, be a conqueror. And there's not as much to his character. Um, right. So I feel like Thanos, even though he came after and, probably was inspired by dark side to some extent if <laughs> inspired being a uh, kind word <laughs> because <laughs> comic books have lots of uh near plagiarism um but i think thanos ultimately gets a lot more to do in marvel's biggest comics and, and that kind of spiraled into the movies whereas dark side and this is just kind of like yep i'm the dark side from the comics and i am just the big mean bad guy right that's what i'm doing <laughs> Gotcha. Y'all got that any being... more of that anti-life? <laughs> that, that being said, uh, Steppenwolf has a character, and I yeah. was shocked by that. Um, Britain, in the theatrical cut, Darkseid is mentioned once, basically mm. offhand, mm-hmm. and Steppenwolf is like just the generic nothing bad guy. Sure. Um, and he is, in, in that flashback of all the Earth's armies fighting... Um, kind of epic Lord of the Rings style. They are fighting Steppenwolf, not Darkseid, in the mm. the uh, theatrical version. Uh, gotcha. Steppenwolf had a character. Like the first time, he was just like, "Oh, I, I need to conquer all these worlds to get back in good graces with Darkseid," and I actually have like motivation instead of I am bad guy want yeah. to do bad thing. I was so shocked, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> like this guy's not like getting an A plus here, but like." <laughs> This yeah. this immediately puts him above average for like all of the DCEU villains. I mean, he yeah. I think he's he's a stronger villain than a solid number of Phase One and Two MCU movies. That's not a high sure. bar, but I think like I know I, I, I Tyler, <laughs> I'm quite with you there. His name is Iron. 
monger. Do you not understand <laughs> the layers of that? No. What about Whiplash? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, uh, he's a better villain than uh, Malekith. <laughs> I mean, that's, again, not like... I'm sure. not saying a lot here, but I am saying, like, no, they, they, they got not some... not last. Yeah. Well, not well, just that. I, they also... They, they build upon kind of his relationships with, with the heroes in a way because they actually do address... Like the fact that he killed a lot of the Amazonians, and and mm-hmm. I think he even says like I killed them all um, <laughs> when he's when he's talking with Wonder Woman, and her her uh, her line delivery of liar is not very good, but whatever, it's fine. But then like he, you know, uh, Cyborg's dad sacrifices himself, yeah, and like oh Cyborg like Cyborg has stuff to do in this movie, and it <laughs> relates to the plot of what's going on. It's not just like the separate thing, like. I, I, how is this like as coherent a piece? Like I don't mm-hmm. get it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I um, two things about Steppenwolf. He was the one I meant to say looked like Knack from the video game Knack, not gotcha. Cyborg. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, but like the way his armor sort of mm-hmm. uh, it's obviously he's played by the great Kieran Hines. Yes, but he, I, I don't know if because obviously it's not a thanos hulk situation where the actor is there on set right and they map to the actor's face because that guy does not look like kieran hines right. <laughs> he does kind of sound like so i don't know if they just had kieran hines come in and record the voiceover yep. and then you know, had somebody on on set or whatever but i um, would not yeah. be surprised if they adr'd some of or i guess since it's cgi they don't have to necessarily adr but if they sure. redid some of steppenwolf's lines in the theatrical cut um and did not use kieran hines that or mm. like Kieran Hines came back and he was like, "This is crap," and, and so he like, we got like a Harrison Ford uh, Blade Runner narration sure. situation. Um, but in this oh, one immediately, the mother boxes, yay! Yeah, in in this one immediately, I I feel like I noticed Kieran Hines' presence and as far as the voice acting goes, more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was like, oh, okay, the, I see the performance now as opposed to just like. And I also think I don't think he has many lines in the theatrical either. Um, oh, geez. Which is really strange. It's like they they take the focus away from Darkseid to simplify the villain situation, but then they don't do anything with the villain. Yeah. They just are like, all right, that's all we got. Yeah, you would think that the natural response to that is let's take away the focus to put more of it on Seven yeah. Wolf and to to strengthen his character. Jeez. Yeah. Um. Alex, you mentioned Cyborg's dad. Uh, he was probably my favorite performance in the movie. Um, a lot of that just comes from I have a, I just like Joe Morton as mm-hmm. a, just as an actor yep. uh, from Terminator Two, familiar friend to robots um, and Speed and Speed, which I haven't friend seen. Friend to robots, friend to robots <laughs> and buses. He uh, he's just a great actor and I, I like him a lot. I I feel like the performances are kind of a mixed bag in this. Where like I think Ben Affleck is fine. You know, it, it yeah. didn't bother me, didn't thrill me. You know, he's fine. Um, I think that Ray Fisher at times comes off very robotic and I couldn't tell if that was a, <laughs> if that was an acting choice. There were times when I'm like, his lines feel very, I mean, robotic is the right word for it. And I was like, but maybe, maybe that's not the performance. Maybe that is him being like, oh, I'm choosing. Cause I haven't seen Ray Fisher in anything else. I have no context sure. for him. Um, but it, it was, it was, I wondered if that was just him being like, oh, I'm playing a cybernetic person. So like, I'm not going to emote as much or i'm not going to be as because i half of my face isn't there um 
And I like that Willem Dafoe got to be in two scenes. Yeah. <laughs> Just show up, do his thing, and dip. Love that guy. Uh, Amber Heard's British accent was back. Woohoo! There it is. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Back. Uh, didn't she? I'm, I'm sorry. I was talking to somebody who made it sound like she did have it maybe in the 2017 Justice League, but she doesn't in Aquaman. Or am I am I wrong? I I can't remember. I think she might in in the 2017 Justice League. Okay. Um, because that that one scene post fight with Steppenwolf where they're in the, the little air bubble and they're, they're talking, yeah. I think is in the 2017 version. Um, and that's like the only scene she gets. Um, but yeah, in, in Aquaman, her hair is yeah, a lot just, redder and she's yeah. got an American accent. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Cause in this, she was kind of British and I was like, well, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, uh, Amy Adams is always good um jeremy irons uh, he was fun i liked him real good as this yeah. version of alfred i would love to watch a short film where just he and gal gadot argue about tea <laughs> that was awesome <laughs> yeah i i completely agree he was super good if only there was like a like a tv show that just focused on alfred's backstory i'd love to know yeah. what that was like um <laughs> I feel like there, there was another actor that I was going to highlight, but I, I can't remember who it was, so never mind. Um, one thing I, I thought was kind of interesting, this is not character assassination. This is just something I thought was kind of funny. When Superman comes back and they're all fighting against him, and I, and I liked that scene. I thought that was well done. It was it was interesting. I, I, I liked that bit. Batman shows up late, and like right, bef- right after a, a police officer nearly gets killed, and he goes, are you okay? Take cover over there. <laughs> And like that's it, and I'm like, what? <laughs> no, stay here, but hide. Don't leave. <laughs> like Batman. Uh, that scene is in the theatrical cut, and it is, I think, to me, it was the first point when I was like, oh, is there a better movie mm. to be made out of this stuff? <laughs> um, gotcha. because like Superman coming out of the or like be- becoming aware when Flash is doing the slow mo. Yeah, that's a I, I think that's a, extremely cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, I, I uh, like that. That whole scene is like, oh, this Superman is like very grim. This does not seem like a thing Joss Whedon would have chosen to do, <laughs> given where he also, I should mention, um, ends up being very, very like optimistic that in, in a way that's just completely out of character with the the established universe uh, at the end of the theatrical version. It's just kind of like. We're just doing normal Superman. I don't know gotcha. how he got here. It's fine. Sure. <laughs> um, and and I remember enjoying that at, at the time because I'm I would still like to see a Superman yeah. like that uh, right. made in a modern superhero film. Um, but he does have the weird upper lip stuff. Uh, but anyway, I th- I think that scene was like a harbinger of this this whole experience because gotcha. it was like that was the first one that really stood out to me. It's like, oh, that's definitely a Snyder scene. And it's pretty neat. Uh, yeah. And then we, we got the Snyder Cut uh, five years later, four years later. Um, I want to talk about that, actually, because veering off of that, that scene uh, in this movie, that scene is it, it's happening. The mother box, meanwhile, landed outside the Star Labs and Joe Morton found it. Um, and he takes it back inside and he is trying to superheat as we learn, he's trying to superheat this 
mother box so that it will be detectable um and the justice league will be able to track it down and track down steppenwolf when he leaves um and in order to do this he ends up sacrificing himself he, he gets burned to death like lasered to death basically by the machine that's heating up the mother box um and so like it's a really touching scene for a cyborg and he's you know obviously devastated because he watches his father die and like it's all this there's there's a solid like 15 minutes of this of them kind of like going through these events and like steppenwolf showing up and getting the mother box and everything that it's a whole thing eventually steppenwolf does get it they're able to track him down because of the mother box great we you know like the this is cohesive storytelling um in or coherent storytelling is probably what i'm looking for in the uh theatrical cut steppenwolf shows up and the box is sitting on a car somewhere after after superman busted out and he picks it up and he leaves <laughs> joe, joe morton doesn't die like they they don't even address i think does he show up again at the end he shows up at the very end in a scene where Cyborg, like, transforms himself into a more comic book accurate mm. version of Cyborg. Like, he updates his his um metallic body. Yeah. And um, he says, booyah, and everybody cheers. I went back and, and watched that scene where, where Ray Fisher has to say booyah. He has such contempt. <laughs> it is so visible on his face. Yeah. It's incredible. I, I don't... Not not super familiar with Cyborg outside of knowing he's in the the Titans cartoons and everything, but I know mm. Booyah is his thing. Man, I would love a T-shirt that says Booyah is my thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> guys, we need we need we need merchandise. But there's a <laughs> but watching this movie, I was like, please, Burton. I don't think this is a Booyah film. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and I'm okay um, with that. Like that's also, that's fine. But <laughs> Britain, I would like to issue a correct, correction of uh, merchandise. Mars, ooh, I like that. <laughs> Martha and Dice, why did you buy that thing? Why did you buy that merch? Why did you buy that merch? Why did you buy those commemorative plates with all three of our faces on it? <laughs> um, yeah, that's a, I, I didn't like Joe Morton not being in the movie anymore, but I thought that scene really worked narratively, mm-hmm. and like you said, it gives, uh, Cyborg like. I don't know, it catalyzes a lot for him, which I think is good. <laughs> oh, basically all of the characterization of Cyborg, other than he's kind of angsty, is completely ripped out of the theatrical Jeez. cut. Like everything yeah. about him kind of learning to develop his powers and having, like there's a couple of moments where he's he's like clearly got anger towards his father, but like it's completely dropped after yeah. he kind of saves him in that, that tunnel sequence. Um yeah, it's 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 incredible. Like I understand, we won't get into all the the allegations that that Ray Fisher kind of threw it a lot of the yeah. Warner Brothers folks or Joss Whedon. Um, but I understand his frustration of like taking his quite interesting character and quite original character in terms of yeah. like superhero stuff, yeah. and just like gutting it. I also like that that tension didn't lead to a continued reduction of his character in this movie. I like that they went, no, Zach was like, no, we're still doing your stuff. And they're like, yep, he still gets to do his stuff. Yeah. Cause it also would have been pretty bad optics if suddenly Ray Fisher wasn't doing a lot in this movie. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's really dismaying then to, to introduce a character who's quite pivotal and not 
develop them at all yeah feels silly yeah. uh, to say the least. Ba- basically any character development that happens in this movie is gone in the theatrical wow. cut it's just like yeah. they're all one-dimensional like cardboard boxes right hmm well that's just prime yes. league well even worse <laughs> like the theatrical cut like they adr certain dialogue in scenes like yeah. there is a the the scene where lois and clark are, are back on the farm and i actually think it's actually a really really mm-hmm. touching scene where um sure. uh she she's kind of holding him and she's like oh you're talking now and, and he says was i not before Ooh. in the theatrical cut they adr amy adams saying you smell good on <laughs> that and he says did i not before that happens wow. And that's I went so back and checked because Tyler, I was like, that scene, that's where she says you smell good. <laughs> Did they ADR it? And it's a terrible dub. Like you can tell if you're yeah. looking at it. If you're looking at her lips, you can tell. <laughs> uh, so weird. Very strange. <laughs> like I, I can't tell how much of it was Whedon feeling under the gun and being like, I, I have to produce this in like two months. Warner Brothers is breathing down to my neck. I just got to do something. And how much of it was he actively had contempt for Snyder's material. I can't quite tell. And or he, he, he knew what we all know and that the word smell is pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like, there's so many weird things and, and not necessarily just like, oh, you need to add humor to the movie, which sure. I already think the Snyder cut is significantly funnier than Man of Steel and BVS, so I don't know why that's even a problem at this yeah, point. Yeah, like, it, it, it does have jokes, and jokes that don't, for me, break the gravitas of what he's trying to do. Right. Like, it, does, it doesn't feel like a weird tonal shift. Yeah, and the theatrical cut, like, that's half the movie. Yeah. It turns into a farce, which is very strange. Like, there there's a bit at the end once Superman shows up with, with a upper lip issues and uh he's talking with batman batman's like you need to stop the thing it's going to destroy everyone and uh superman's like well i know you didn't bring me back just because you like me and then uh batman's like uh well uh i i never said i i didn't like you (laughs) and it's like why are you forcing ben affleck to say this garbage dialogue why are you forcing he's already in this ridiculous bat suit why are you making him do this (laughs) wowzers (laughs) Yeah, that's that, silly. That, that being said, the opening with Superman's like siren voice mm-hmm. was mm. pretty silly. Because <laughs> yeah. it just like, kept every, going. Yeah, everybody hears it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, should we talk about the epilogue now? Sure. So I think this is part of the point is that it is not immediately made clear whether this is a dream sequence or a flash forward. Um where suddenly Batman is wearing the same clothes, but with a coat mm-hmm. and goggles, mm-hmm. and it's all desert stuff. And this is, it comes to be evident that this is a dark future where because Lois died, Superman became like a tyrant and destroyed everything. And so now there's like this renegade traveling uh, convoy of superheroes that's Cyborg, Flash with new armor, Mira, Batman. And, and Deathstroke. Joker. And Deathstroke. But also the Joker is there. Right. And that scene... And I think if any scene in the movie can be this, it is It is this. Because they had been... 
successfully alluding to the scene in BBS where the Flash, you know, just the whole time travel thing and is like, Bruce, she's the key, it's low. And Batman's like, oh, she's the key, but not just to bring Superman back, but there's this other thing we have to prevent from happening. I don't know what that is. And then he has a premonition and now we all get it. But this scene feels like when I was in elementary school and would write, would quote, write a story, but it was really just me describing how the characters looked cool and kind of alluding to why they are that way. And that was all I got. Yeah. And I really think that scene was entirely Zack Snyder. Just, I want to see these versions of the characters, but I don't want to like, and I can't put in the legwork to build that world. I think he would make that movie if he could. I really do. I think he would put in the work and I think he would build it. Maybe he will. Maybe. Who knows? For better or worse. If he builds it, they will come. (laughs) I mean, the Snyder Cut has already garnered more goodwill than any of the DCEU movies, I would say, recently, except for the Wonder Woman movies. Like, I mean, people like Aquaman a lot, but that was different. But also, Wonder Woman 1984 uh, squandered a lot of the goodwill from Wonder Woman. Um, and I want to talk about feminism in this movie as well. But th- th- this scene was just kind of odd to me because I felt like, okay, this is a bit extreme, but that's kind of the point. And I like that we just got introduced to Deathstroke previously in, in the current timeline, but now we already <laughs> get the DLC skin of Deathstroke. Yes, like, correct. well, here's one version, but here's this other version of Deathstroke. But yeah, and then all the stuff with the Joker, obviously all, the, all our Jared Leto uh, stuff. Although, are we 100% sure that wasn't Jim Carrey? <laughs> i'm no. gonna be honest i kind of liked him in this because there's a few points in that thing where i was like i think that's james carey <laughs> saying that that line i think maybe jared leto you know maybe he just been doing a big rock show really sung his heart out yeah, for during the, the pandemic the big, yeah at the big fair he would and then <laughs> i don't know that he would i don't know that he would he, he but he would know that about him but um, Britain's not going to firmly have this stance, but I will. Gosh darn it! <laughs> and he was all you know, hoarse and didn't get all the honey that he needed for his 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 neck, throat. And then they got <laughs> they got Mr. James Carey from Liar Liar to come in and do the ADR for him. I like how that's yeah, where you all go that and I, not the, I thought you the were going to say uh, he was in. I thought you were going to say James Carey, uh, uh, Kubrick purist from Roanoke. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> yeah, from the number twenty three. Um, but yeah, it, it, it didn't work for me. And I think it was because the scene went on for a while that I was like, oh, so now this scene is setting up its own little storyline and arc, but don't worry, it's just a nightmare. Yeah. I don't know. That whole thing just felt like, okay, this is just Zack Snyder being like, wait, wait, wait I want to do one more thing, well, which is fine, but that's, that's the problem. And, and this is why, like when he starts getting like all of his creative control and he's writing scenes, it doesn't work. Because right. he sets up stuff at the beginning of scenes that then pay off in really, really dumb ways. Right. They start off, off that scene very basic. We can't stay out in the daylight too long. Superman will find us. Cut to Batman having a 15-minute conversation <laughs> yep. with the Joker and then being shocked when Superman shows up. That yeah. is so dumb. That being said, I actually kind of like the conversation between Batman and Joker, and I think Jared Leto's performance is significantly better than Suicide Squad. Yes, sure. That is did true. you, when Batman said, I am going to effing kill you, did you, like, clench your fist and go, like, Jir! 
True. I'm I'm fine with that because this is edgy Mad Max apocalypse future Batman that wants to kill everyone. Yeah. And even more than that, Joker like immediately calls him on it. And he's oh, like, you sure. almost had me there. Right, right. Yeah. I'm like, did Zack Snyder just show me he has more awareness of, of, of <laughs> how Batman works than I gave him credit for? I, I don't know. <laughs> um, as long as he's working in a post-apocalyptic future. As long. Then he gets him. You know. Uh, Batmax, please. Batmax. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I, I can see that. I can see that. Uh, and I also like the Joker design. Like, I, I like how I don't know. I, if I liked this, it a lot more than the Suicide Squad version. Yes. I don't, I don't know if this Joker still has the tattoos, but I like that how he's <laughs> just kind of painted it over one way or another. <laughs> I like him with the longer hair. I like him wearing I, like the the police vest, and he's got like a bunch of badges on him. Like, it's a cool design. Now, I really liked it. How do we know that the tattoos from the Suicide Squad were not just like stick them on, rub them with some water kind of tattoos? <laughs> like, yeah. are we what you sure? Couldn't, what you couldn't see is this is the Scooby Doo he had on his forearm. Went went down to a spirit Halloween. And <laughs> I've got a big uh, a big meeting later with some really tough guys in common. <laughs> That was common, right, in Suicide Squad? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Honka, honka, honka. Jeez. Or whatever he says. Uh, I was very confused about the fact that that scene, I really thought that was going to try to be the, the tie back to BVS. Uh, mm. Or, sorry, yes, BVS. Um, Because Flash just shows up randomly in that, and it makes no sense. Uh, yeah. And we still have not really gotten like a good reasoning for that that justifies that being in the theatrical cut of the movie. Right. Um, and Flash shows up in BVS and he's like, "Save Lois" or whatever. I guess, or does he say Lois is the key? I don't know. Yeah. Um. Either way, I really and the, thought. And the character design is so botched that you can't even tell that it's the Flash. Yes. Um. I really thought that that. Because he's he's wearing that suit in the nightmare sequence at the end yeah. of the Justice League, um, I really thought we were going to is going to be like okay, the justification for this being here is that then Superman shows up, Batman's like do it, Flash, and then Flash is gonna disappear sure. into the past, yeah. and then he's he's gonna give the warning. Somehow the warning's gonna help things, and that's gonna be because yeah. of the fact that like there's no guarantee there's going to be a follow up to this. That's gonna be the stinger that kind of like wraps everything up in a. Still not right. very neat bow, bow, but at least like, <laughs> yeah, you can give some sort of some sort of tie uh, in in a very Days of Future Past sort of way, where it's like things now th now things are going to be okay. We don't know how uh, how exactly they get fixed, but now things are going to be fine. Yeah. Um, but they don't do that. The Batman just wakes up. No, it's like okay, cool. <laughs> and that's not even explained. I guess it's supposed to be some kind of speed force thing where it gives him premonitions. I don't know. Sure. Right. I, I, I it's just so strange because it's like that's one of like the big criticisms that a lot of people threw at BVS of like this thing just kind of comes out of nowhere and it makes no sense. And then Zack Snyder, like, he seems to have evolved in terms of the storytelling when he gets to Justice League and like he knows at least more of the right things to focus on. And then he's like, wait, guys, we're doing it again. <laughs> Hold on. You, 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 you thought you were safe at three hours and 45 minutes. You thought you were safe. 
Hold on, I got one last trick up my sleeve. I got one last Joker card that I'm going to keep waving in front of the camera because I'm out of focus in the back. (laughs) And for all we know, that might have just been him being like, I know, I know this is my last one, so I just want to go out right. with my little Zach fiction. I want to sure. throw this in here. In which case, hey, man, go for it. Um, but, but yeah, it, as a scene in and of itself, it didn't work for me. And I said my thing about I don't like that when he's evil Superman, he's got a blue and red suit. Don't. Well, I, I think part of the problem is they don't explain the significance of the black suit. Right. Because if you're just watching these movies... He wears a black suit when he's like in that little mind vision thing with Zod and Zod showing him like, if you're not going to help me, we're going to uh, kill everyone. And like Superman's getting buried in that, that pile of skulls and he's wearing a black suit. Right. I don't know why when Clark's walking around the Kryptonian ship, he decides to pick a black suit after that happens. Right. Um, And if they explained like in the comics, oh, it's a regeneration suit. I just came back from the dead. It's going to help me absorb the sun's rays better or whatever the explanation is in the comics. Like if they just said that I'd, I'd, I'd be, I'd feel better about it. But I I think it's a mix of number one. They wanted to do the black suit because it's cool. And Zack Snyder, he knows what's cool, Britain. (laughs) And number two, I guess trying to keep continuity because in the nightmare scene in BVS, he's wearing the red and blue suit. Hmm. I, so I, I don't think it's necessarily a, a, a misunderstanding of the character, although, sure. of, of course, we can still have that yeah, debate yeah. Um, because we have watched Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman. But I think that's more of just like a poor coincidence. Sure. I, that's probably how yeah. I'd frame it. Yeah, that makes sense, because I, I I don't like the I, I think the implications are accidental implications. Sure. Um, But. Because, yeah, I, th- I think if he had been wearing a blue and red suit the whole time, or if we had the explanation for the black suit, I'd be like, oh, okay, the black suit is not his new uniform. That's just the the suit he has now. Like, right. he's doing this, and then the implication being he will get back to his blue and red suit, which is why he has it when he's evil. That's It's not supposed to be a sign of hero Superman has black suit. Good guy, bad, bad guy Superman has blue and red, which is the implication you end up getting because you don't have continuity or or. Right. Um, but if they had been clear about like this is like the second Spider-Man Tom Holland one where he just gets nine new costumes because right. we just we're just doing that now. If um, you didn't think that Far From Home already felt like a DLC extension, <laughs> here you go. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, though no, that 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 makes sense to me. That makes sense. Um, I mentioned the feminism thing with Wonder Woman. I it's it's funny to me how. So, so this movie has two moments that I think are very clearly just the flaw of having men try to write a feminist moment. And I want to qualify that by saying, I think men should also be writing strong female characters. I, I, I think it's important that women are making Wonder Woman movies and Captain Marvel movies and Black Widow movies. But like, obviously, male screenwriters also need to learn how to write female characters and female moments. Because otherwise, you know, I don't want just the only times men ever make movies are only about men. Like I, we, every, everyone needs to know how to write people effectively. Right. And, and that's fine. And this, I don't find this movie offensive. This movie really does not male gaze, any women. Like there's a lot of lingering on Jason Momoa, but like we talked about, like Zack Snyder really doesn't sexualize outside of sucker punch really doesn't sexualize women in his movies as badly as you might think he would. And even in this, like the Amazonian outfits Mm -hmm. feel more like 
it's a, it's a matter of function. Like those are all stunt women who are going to have to be moving in certain ways rather as opposed to like check out their bodies. You know, it's not really that, but you know, the Wonder Woman movies have all these great moments of like Wonder Woman's this great hero specifically to women and, and young girls. And that's really great. But in this, like in her little intro scene, when she's stopping uh, Bruce Bolton from robbing that mm-hmm. bank and that little girl's like, Everyone should like, are you okay? Is everyone okay? I blocked all the bullets instead of getting you out of the building or punching the guy. Um, everyone's like, yeah, thank you. And that one little girl is sitting still and she's like, are you okay? And the little girl goes, can I be like you one day? You can be anything you want. I was like, that feels a little, <laughs> a little, a little shoehorned. But what really got me is when she's fighting in sort of in the middle of the movie, they're fighting Steppenwolf and it's great. And, and Steppenwolf says... She's that one's mine. And he points at Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman goes, I belong to no one. <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't think that's what that meant. <laughs> because, and my, my, uh, my coworker Kier, she, she was telling me about it. We were, we were talking about the movie and she said, I interpreted that as Steppenwolf being like, she is clearly the greatest threat. So she is the one I want to fight. Right. Improve my metal because clearly she's the strong one. Not, I am claiming you as my bride right. or my property. Uh, it's such a correct. Yeah, it's such a weird feeling of like, and, and I think it came from a genuine place where Terry and Snyder were like, hey, you know, there are these really great moments for Wonder Woman. Let's keep that consistent. Like, let's not relegate her to just being the hot one. Like, let's mm-hmm. keep up that sense of heroism and inspiration for this movie. And they just kind of bungled it. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. I think good intentions, and they just kind of fumble. That's that's all right. But I still found it kind of funny. <laughs> You know, uh, I do think my my favorite feminist moment in the movie is Wonder Woman decapitating Steppenwolf and sending his body back to Darsley. (laughs) I thought you were going to say your favorite feminist moment was uh, when Flash landed on her boobs. Oh, wait, that was the theatrical cut. Yeah. I also really, genuinely really liked the Amazons getting the mother box away from Steppenwolf. I thought that was Mm -hmm. a really well shot action sequence. The, the really surreal thing was I remember that scene in the theatrical cut. It's very trimmed down. Yeah, it oh, wow. looks horrible. Tyler, I don't know if you remember like the, mm-hmm. the visual effects, every, it looks terrible. So going into this, I was like, is it just going to be like as ugly, but slightly darker? No, it, yeah. it feels like a, a, a completely different sequence. Yes. That's and good. that's a lot yeah. of the movie feels that way. I mean, the, the scene with uh, Bruce Bolton in the bank, like mm-hmm. that scene looks great and is fun yeah. and is like action packed in the Snyder cut. Um, yeah. And in she standing on the scales of justice yes. at the top. And in the theatrical cut, I, I could not tell you what exactly it is. I don't know if it's just particular scenes were cut out and lo- the way it's mm-hmm. edited or what, but it just it, on top of the visual, like the look of it in terms of the filters of what they did in post, it just does not look good. Like I remember watching it and being yeah. like, this is fine. But in the in, in this one, I was like, oh, that's actually very like a very compelling little action scene. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. That that whole thing with the like I said, they're they're whipping the mother box around, and it's yeah. really inventive. They're like, okay, we're going to use horses, and we're going to use the bow and arrow. Like, it it it's great. Like, I think it's just a really good, uh, a really great sequence. Kind of like going to Wakanda in like Infinity War. You're like, okay, we've already fallen in love with this country from these other movies, and this movie's like keeping that torch lit, which I right. think is very cool. Um, the, uh, yeah, I think it is as many Snyder movies are. It's it looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that shot of black suit or not of Superman like going up into space and like absorbing the the sun and like holding his arms out. That looks great. And yeah, 
all these beautiful mountain shots at the beginning of Bruce yeah. going to Aquaman's house. <laughs> um, I, do. I thought all that was really pretty. I do also want to say the uh, real quick about the Amazon sequence. Yeah. The cage does not fall into the water in the theatrical cut. Yeah. Um, it's just like, oh, they've trapped Steppenwolf in there. Okay, he broke out. Um, as opposed to like in in this one, it's like, oh, they are trying to drown Steppenwolf, and there are no they are knowingly killing like a hundred Amazon Amazonian men or yeah, a hundred Amazonian women. Um by doing so like we we are explicitly like everyone who is in there is probably yeah. going to die and like it's a much more effective thing to watch because the movie the snyder cut lets it breathe and lets it like mm-hmm. you sit there and like hippolyta is like oh this is awful like you know i'm I'm watching all these these people sacrifice themselves this is you know like it's a yeah. it's an impactful moment <laughs> and then when yeah. when Steppenwolf gets out you're like oh snap he's he's the real deal and that you had a full action sequence dedicated two characters that aren't in the justice league but they were like the this this is compelling enough and this world is has been well defined enough outside of this movie that like audiences are going one audiences already care about this so we know they'll pay attention but also we have enough confidence and we are putting enough care into this scene to earn that interest and that like none of the major heroes are in that movie but i was still like this is i'm totally into this this is great Every time I started to question, like, a goofy plot decision of, like, oh, that, why did, couldn't they have just done this? Like, I, I I had my BVS brain on where I'm, like, nothing makes sense. Sure. And so every time I started to question it and, 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 you know, poke holes in it, the movie immediately answered it. And I was mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. impressed. Like, yeah. when they addressed that there is a reason that Bruce has to go on horseback to go find Aquaman. The weather conditions don't permit taking a boat in or flying in with a helicopter or a plane or anything. So he has to go on horse. I was so impressed by that. I thought that was just Snyder trying to be cool because Batman rides a horse in Dark Knight Returns. Sure. <laughs> and then like when when um, Joe Morton has to sacrifice himself, I was like, did, did we just have like a pointless sacrifice? Because Steppenwolf immediately grabs the box and boom tubes away after that. Yeah. And then they explain, no, he's he sacrificed himself so they could track it, and that leads us into the third. I was shocked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, I had to like completely take off my BVS hat and put on my Zack Snyder Justice League hat, and it's a pretty <laughs> cool hat. <laughs> I um, I I did feel like some of the stuff with Desaad was a little extraneous because you yeah, ha- that very much felt like. Congratulations on finishing your mission. Here is your experience points and your ranking. Do you know what you, where you have to go next? <laughs> well, there's like two scenes like, in a row. Yes, when, there's like two scenes in a row where Steppenwolf's like talking with Desaad. Desaad's like, "What's the status report?" And yeah. Steppenwolf's like, "Uh, we're closer to getting the mother boxes." Mm-hmm. And yeah. Desaad's like, "Don't fail, or Darkseid will be disappointed." And yeah. I. I've seen this scene twice. I've seen I've seen yeah. it twice now. Oh, Maybe I would argue that. Yeah, it was More totally a video because, game. Yeah, uh, yeah a video game scene. It's been in many things. Um, what else is there to talk about? Um, uh, I I did want to point out in the theatrical cuts defense, I think there are a couple of things it does better than this. Whoa. Everyone's Han Solo. Is one sucking? 
chest-based pratfalls. <laughs> Look, at this point, I don't want to be the one guy defending Joss Whedon, but I guess True. I'll be that guy. I'll die on this hill. <laughs> Uh, All right. This podcast is going out on the internet, right? (laughs) Strictly about creative decisions for a movie. Of course. Not for how he treated anyone or anything. All right. Let's go. Um, Women aren't things, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) Totally a joke. Totally a joke. Please continue. Don't put words in Joss Whedon's (laughs) mouth, Britain. (laughs) Um, Number one, I think Joss... Wheaton's cut actually does manage to not super cathartically, but he does pay off the vision of Flash showing up and being like Lois is the key. Because the the payoff for that, or at least seemingly in the theatrical cut, is when Superman's going crazy and and the Justice League is is trying to hold him off, Bruce goes, Alfred, send in the big gun. And that's when Lois shows up to calm Superman down. Whereas in this one, it's just a coincidence because she right. happens to be there. It's the last time well, she's going to visit the memorial, which in some ways is, is poetic because it's like, oh, she's she's finally trying to move on and she gets rewarded for for kind of trying to to continue progressing by getting the love of her life back. I, there's some it's like poetry. It rhymes. I mean, there's, there's something there, at least. But mm-hmm. I, I think I the fact that we don't address she's the key at all. I think is strange, and that makes th- that whole scene in BVS feel even more uh, unnecessary. Um, and then the other one is the opening montage in the, thea- the theatrical cut, which is weird because that actually feels like a very Snyder thing. Um, basically, Britain he he does a, a Watchmen esque opening uh, at the beginning of of the theatrical cut to kind of explain where the world is and how everything's kind of terrible now that Superman's dead. Mm. And I feel like this movie needs that, at least in so much as show one shot of Superman with the siren yell or whatever, and then have an opening montage with credits cutting to these different places to show how they're being affected by it. Um, I don't think we need like a 15 minute scene of we're cutting to this place and this lasts for a few minutes. We're cutting to this place. Like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like that whole thing, get it, it, that's one of the smart ways that the, the theatrical cut kind of stream, streamlines the material. That makes sense. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> In every other way, this is better than the theatrical cut. Um, I did want to ask one thing, and, and Tyler, I, I don't know if, if The Flash has kind of alternate origin stories but at the end at the end of the movie he gets the crime lab job mm-hmm. but in the comics or at least in the tv show isn't that how he gets his powers um, he's working at the crime lab he gets struck by lightning with a bunch of of chemicals and that's how he gets imbued with the speed force right don't remember exactly and i don't i'm not gonna look it up because why would we possibly do that um <laughs> i believe in the comics he just is like in a science lab or something like that. I don't know okay. if he's necessarily working at a crime lab. I think that might be a creation of the CW show. Well, I, I, I do believe he has a CSI job in in traditionally. Right, but I, I don't know. I mean, it, I mean, it could be as easy as like, oh, he was like in a college science lab and he got hit by it. Uh, yeah. That's that's what I feel like it is. Yeah, I was just kind of 
that that was kind of strange that the movie didn't delve into that because we focus on the origin stories for everyone except for maybe Aquaman in all of these movies. Hmm. Well, no, even my, then, w- once we get to the Aquaman movie, we do explain his origin. So you're you're that, right. He is a police scientist in the original sixty or sorry fifty six origin. Yeah. So I'm I'm wondering if that's one of those situations where uh you know when Snyder's making the movies like eh, people seem to like that Flash show this is fine. <laughs> people know it um yeah. but yeah i i the main thing that i was kind of thinking about when watching the movie because like i keep saying i'm shocked like i the same people that made bvs like chris Terrio, maybe it's just like he had a week to to do another draft on the bvs script before they went into production so he was trying to fix as best he could um i don't understand how they made this movie but but i think the the big thing that this has is that the story itself like loses all the pretentiousness we still have Zack Snyder's kind of super artistic sensibilities with the filmmaking but the story itself aside from like the nightmare sequence and a couple other things that we've discussed like it's just like a simple alien invasion movie and I feel like that's where Snyder's kind of sensibilities work best is like very simple story he can embellish the filmmaking all he wants and uh, sure. like I, I think the movie really, really works from that. Like the fact that that Batman versus Superman is supposed to be this meditation on like godhood and power and how power corrupts and and you know all this religious symbolism and all this and a convoluted mystery plot with with uh, bullets and and collateral damage and what does it all mean? Apparently nothing. Um, like like all of that stuff just. It, it doesn't work with his sensibilities, I don't think. Um, and like I said, I don't know if, if somehow they reached a middle ground while they were making the movie where, where you know, Jeff Johns and whoever on, on the set is telling him, like, okay, pull back a little bit. We can make this simpler. And, and like, they're figuring out stuff. Because apparently Joss Whedon even came in to do rewrites, like, before they were actually, like, finished filming, I believe. So maybe even some of the scenes in this have some punch-ups from him. I don't know. He's not credited on the movie, but he it could possibly be. Um, but yeah, I, I just... Somehow everything just kind of works, and I I didn't think that was possible. Because <laughs> you watch that original trailer with the Hallelujah song, and of course now we know the, the significance of that song and, and why it's so powerful, and the, the four-autumn note at the end of the movie just like yeah. heartbreaking. Um, but like you watch that first trailer and it's just like the most pretentious thing. (laughs) Um, and I was worried that that's what the movie was going to be. And when they said it was four hours, I was like, dear God, no, don't, (laughs) don't do People say the ultimate cut of BVS is better. I mean, it makes like 1% more sense, but it's like 30 (laughs) more minutes. I'll never get back. So maybe it's not better. Um, but this is like, I'm just in shock. I'm just in shock. (laughs) Well, that sounds like a segue into ratings, unless we have anything else yeah. we really need to touch on. Exactly. I will say there's a part where someone says, they're, oh, they're breaking into a facility, and one of them was like, all right, everybody, get dressed. And Cyber goes, I'm always dressed. <laughs> and I thought that was a clear... Which is which is not true, though, because he, he sometimes puts a hoodie on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and calls for a secret meeting in the middle of the street. <laughs> like, that would be wonderful if... if- 
he decided like oh the robotic like this super advanced thing this isn't the costume he puts on the hoodie this is my superhero (laughs) outfit (laughs) now i'm dressed i am the hoodie (laughs) (laughs) uh what are you guys rating the the Zack snyder justice league cut bonanza i'll go first um i'm giving it a b which I know, given all the the praise I just kind of heaped upon the movie, you'd think that would be low, but I I do think the movie has quite a few issues. Um, I think some stuff is not explained, and if you're in a four hour movie, you should kind of tidy up those details. Um, you have you have the real estate for it. Um, it's it is too long; it needs to be cut down quite a bit. Um, kind of all the problems that that most of the internet has already thrown upon it. Um, but. I'm comparing it to BVS and BVS is, is just a, a miserable slog nightmare. And this was just like really competent. It, it's not like, it's not world changing. It's not, it's not the greatest thing that's ever happened, but it's just like a really good summer blockbuster. And I really appreciated that. And I'm <laughs> like, Snyder, you did it. I don't know how, but you did it. And I'm proud <laughs> of you, buddy. <laughs> Brent, what, what are you doing? Do you want me to go? I think yeah. I should go last. Where are you going? Go, go first. Go, go, go first. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I, I went into the movie pretty much knowing what I was going to rate it, but then the movie was kind of a I don't want to say a roller coaster, but like I similarly was also quite surprised by the fact that I not only didn't like it but did like it. Yeah. Um, and so then I was like, oh, I don't know if that rating would really fit, but then like having gotten to sit with it for a little bit, now having gotten to talk, uh to you guys on our podcast here come the sequels check us out of here come the sequels.blogspot.com <laughs> i uh-huh. i think that it's this is a really hard movie to just take on its own merits because there's so much wrapped up in it it right. is such an anomaly in movie making director's cuts are not rare but this type of director's cut is and obviously the personal side of it for Zack Snyder is so unique and emotional it's a hard movie for me to like rate on a basic scale but like and like i said i don't know if i enjoyed it in the way the movie wanted me to but i definitely enjoyed a lot of it and i feel like after all of this waiting after all of the build-up and i don't think i would have watched this movie if i weren't on the podcast with y'all it's just i mean i i'm glad i did i think the only rating i can really give it that like really like accurately represents not only what i think the movie is but also how i feel about it is a q plus no further questions <laughs> just just for reference uh britain gave uh bvs a q because it it's, is the dumbest letter in the alphabet yeah. but this movie is not a dumb letter this is a a unique rare experience plus <laughs> it's q for unique you're you're opinions on q have have you know matured over the years well you know tyler i like to think now that i'm a pseudo uncle i really see the world in a new light (laughs) (laughs) covid being together while i was apart (laughs) during covid has really made me look at things differently including q give it an a minus oh my god there it is i uh 
uh, there's just like so many moments of this that I'm like, that's great. Yeah. It's not, I mean, it, it's not like a, you know, fantastic, like, you know, yeah. work of, of literature or anything like that, but it is, it is genuinely like a expression of someone who has a real vision for something and wants to see it brought to life. And, uh, yes, I mean, that's probably, I'll probably look at that in like a year and be like, why did I do that? That's too high. But like, <laughs> you know what? You earned it, Snyder. You, you, I, uh, I, yeah. you, you turned away the haters. You, you know, you, you made it happen. No one, I, I am shocked that this movie after the inkling of it, that first started, I don't know where, really where it began, but where after, you know, release the Snyder cut, wherever that began and, and the number of jokes we've said about it specifically on the podcast, the number of jokes people everywhere have said about it and like how that spawned and how it just looked like it was never going to happen. And then when it started to look like it was going to happen, how it was like, Oh, this is going to be terrible. Like, yeah. I, I am shocked that it is as good as it is. Um, yeah. And I, I think that grade is as much a celebration of the fact that it is like an actual artistic expression that has some real merit and you know basically he believed in his in his vision the entire time mm -hmm. um and it came through and i just <laughs> i i will <laughs> it's not it's not thor showing up in wakanda it's not <laughs> uh cap wielding cap, cap wielding Mjolnir, of course but i wonder woman decapitating steppenwolf like i that's such a dumb like silly thing but it's such a like joyous just ridiculous thing yeah um event and and obviously it does not have the build-up that any of the nc movies really kind of benefit from um but like when that happens it's just like that and I, I do genuinely really love a lot of the other big moments yeah from that third act like the flash uh sequence um yeah i i think there are moments in this that i enjoyed more than i've enjoyed in any movie in a long time um <laughs> i practically got up and clapped when he got to cabin yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh like i i think if this had been re released in theaters we would have lost our minds <laughs> yes <laughs> great um yeah, and, and I do, I, I'm making jokes about that specifically. The movie itself, I do think, has a lot of quality. Like, I think yeah. The, yeah. the visual style, it really does look good. There's some really great action in the film. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I I was I was mightily impressed. Yeah, no, uh, uh, very well put. Yeah, I, I it, there's a poetry to the fact that we've been teasing or poking fun at Zack Snyder and specifically this movie for months if not years and that now we're watching it and it's like i've eaten chicken i've probably eaten duck i've never eaten as much crow as i've been eating over the last <laughs> few days no this is like the most pleasant surprise of all is that it came out mm. and it i i liked it like close yeah. close not quite there but close to loved it like yeah. i'm i'm so happy to be wrong and and yeah you know i i i i you know, I I feel terrible having poked fun at this for for so long, 
Um, I think, you know, based on everything that we knew and, and just kind of all the fallout and, and BVS, which I still, like, I have not changed my mind on. This isn't, ha- hasn't retroactively fixed those movies, but this in and of itself is a wonderful thing that exists. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm so happy that it does. And it makes me happy for him. Yes. That, like he, in the context of his life, he released something that I hope he's proud of and that people are, seem to be genuinely embracing. Yeah. Um, I'm happy for him that, that he didn't go through all of that to just get another, like, eh, whatever, some like anticlimactic yeah. thing. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, it makes me very happy for Zack Snyder. And dare I say, restore the Snyderverse? I, yeah. I, 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 I've seen the outlines for Justice League 2 and 3. Uh, I don't immediately gravitate towards them. <laughs> I would um, say I heavily dislike them. Um, but I kind of want to see more now. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't, if they told me he's doing more at this point, I wouldn't necessarily be against it. Well, and I would also say, considering, a lot of caveats to that, but considering Warner brothers, like the, the journey we've taken here and how many missteps they made along the way. I don't know that I can trust them to ever do this universe justice without someone who has a very strong ideas of like what they want, the story they want to tell, like Christopher Nolan or like Zack Snyder um, for better or worse, if they're like, this is what I want to do. Then at least it's someone who I believe has read comic books before. (laughs) And, (laughs) you know, like is trying to tell a story with these characters. And uh, this, I, I, yeah, I I would be very interested. I'll say to, uh, to see if, to see another movie from him in this universe. All right. So now that we have reached the end of the DCEU, as we know it, um, I, I would like to uh, share everyone's rankings of where we sit with with all the films. Um, I went ahead and, and took took account of, of uh, everyone's grades, and uh, I just added in the, the Snyder Cut. So um, who, who, who's, whose list should I go with first? You mind. All right, sounds good. All right, uh, Britain starting at the top. You gave Shazam an A, then yep. Bird, Birds of Prey with a B plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, that mean, that, 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 that's Birds plus Harley Quinn. <laughs> yes, correct. Uh, Wonder Woman eighty four. You gave a B. Okay, which I respect your opinion. I don't understand. <laughs> um, I also may have been rating the experience I had <laughs> more right. than I rated the film. Which I think you may have actually said in that episode. Probably. <laughs> um, Aquaman, you gave a C plus. Uh, then Steep Drop Off. Man of Steel, you gave an F. Yep. Suicide Squad, you gave an F. So I don't know if you want to adjust the the rankings there. I put Man of Steel first because I assume you <laughs> hated Suicide Squad more. I, I would say between the two, I think that is a worse movie. <laughs> um, the Justice League uh, theatrical cut is listed as not available so yeah. i have that <laughs> alphabetically that comes next um right, right. then the Zack snyder justice league is a q plus yes, and then is. bvs is a q yes it is and i haven't and i have seen the first wonder woman but not i don't have a clear enough memory of it to feel like i can aptly and accurately rate it despite sure. my giving two nonsense ratings in this because i'm just a real harley quinn over here um <laughs> So random. <laughs> so just random. Tacos? Just, just sitting over here being a fantabulous emancipation. 
<laughs> you know, I really am. <laughs> um, I, I, I do want to. St- I, I don't want to just rate a movie I don't recall. So sure. one day I'll rewatch Wonder Woman and I'll and I'll update us. I'll retcon. Yeah. So I have three quite passing grades, and Look. then I have no. Look, Britain. Whenever you finally decide to to rewatch Wonder Woman, like immediately after that, Tyler and I need to come find you, and we'll record the theatrical cut Justice League commentary track. Okay. <laughs> cool. Immediately after. <laughs> cool. I'm game. Do it. Um, Tyler, your grades. Zack Snyder Justice League at the top with an A minus. I stand by that. <laughs> um, then Shazam with a B plus. Also, Birds of Prey with a B plus. So I don't know if you want to adjust those there. I assumed Shazam was probably the better, or your more preferred. I don't know. I don't know. I might say That's Birds a tough of Prey. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel they're they're well graded because <laughs> that's a close one for me. Um, following that, Wonder Woman with a B, Aquaman also with a C plus because I think we all gave that a C plus. Mm-hmm. Um, Wonder Woman eighty four C minus, Man of Steel D minus, theatrical cut of Justice League an F, Suicide Squad an F, BVS an F minus. <laughs> We have fun with the system. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I do really like how if you average out the BVS and (laughs) Snyder cut grades, you just get a C (laughs) minus. That is, yeah. And mine, you just get radio static. (laughs) (laughs) You just, you just get a robot's head exploding from a computational error. It's, it's, it's just like. You're, 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 it's like Siri saying, I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> um, then my grades, uh, Snyder Cut, I gave a B. Shazam, I also gave a B. I think this slightly edges out Shazam. Mm-hmm. And I think that's mostly just because this is what I would rather watch. Yeah. Which is weird to say, but that's how I feel. Um, I may change my tune on a second watch because we did only watch this once. <laughs> right. Um, then following that, Birds of Prey, a C, Aquaman, a C, Wonder Woman, a C, <laughs> uh, Man of Steel, a D plus, Wonder Woman 1984, a D, Suicide Squad, and the theatrical cut of Justice League, Fs, I think I might take Suicide Squad over that, I'm not sure, and then BBS and F minus. <laughs> I, I will say I gave BVS an F minus as well. Uh, Suicide Squad and Justice League are probably two of, if I'm looking at like the filmmaking, they yeah. are probably, they might be the two worst movies I have seen in cinema, at least since I was very young and would watch whatever yeah. crap. Su- Suicide Squad there. and BVS? Sorry, Suicide Squad and uh, the theatrical cut of Justice League. Oh, gotcha. I'm saying I think BVS is probably more competent in some ways at least like sure. it it look it has something to provide visually yeah. like it, it's it's trying to do something um whereas i think both of those are complete nonsense and very yeah. bad and i guess that also applies to bvs but yeah, uh, yeah no i i don't know what the worst movies i've ever seen are but i do think suicide squad is one of them mm-hmm. like i think that movie is just terrible and I don't like to use those kind of terms to no, talk it's... about art, but like I really, really think that about Suicide Squad. Yeah. And I think if I were to give a genuine rating to my two Q movies, because in a weird way I feel kind of guilty being silly about it, 
I would say BVS is an F and, and I'm not sure about the Snyder cut because it would probably be it probably somewhere in like the upper B, like the mm-hmm. B, B plus range would probably be where I'd settle out, but I would have to watch it again and, and try as much as I can to divorce it even from its own vacuum, if that makes sense. But like, sure. it's such, it's such an anomaly in movies. And so like it was, it was both a joyous surprise to see that I liked it, but also a, a hard thing to really analyze in that sense. Cause I was like, just the fact that I'm watching this is such a strange, you know, only in 2021 kind of, kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Good stuff I, though. I, I don't have any like DCEU like movies in my, my collection. I used to have man of steel. Then I sold it. Um, I would not mind having the Snyder cut in my collection. At all. Well, do y'all... Should we even do a recommendation? Do y'all have recommendations, or should we just save that for our next episode? This is kind of a special a special time. I do have a relevant recommendation. Oh, well, then sure. We can do, we can do recommendations. But I, y'all can... I'll, I'll just say, like, since the Snyder Cut is readily available now to everyone, like, just give it a shot. Like, eat... Because I've been hearing a lot of people go... Well, if you like Man of Steel and BVS, you're definitely going to like this. And if you don't like those, if you don't like what Snyder's doing, you're not going to like this. I heartily disagree because yeah. I absolutely hated what he was doing <laughs> and I kind of loved this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I would also say give it a shot if you like some of these characters, maybe sure. from other things. But like, I don't know, if you're willing... If you haven't watched any of this, these movies or kind of dropped out early, yeah, give it a shot. You might be surprised pleasantly. It's it is very much its own thing. You know, yeah. it can't be like, oh, if you're a Batman fan, you got to watch it because like yeah. I don't know. There's Batman doesn't mean it. Batman means everything now. Like if you're a Batman fan, that could mean anything. But also, so. don't watch it just because you're a Batman fan because right, right. He's really that strong of a Batman movie. Um, yeah, and he's not featured as much as I thought he was going to be, um, which is nice. That's a plus. Huh? That goes in the plus column. That for is movies. not just Batman and his amazing friends. Oh, I was going to say for <laughs> movies in this franchise, it's a plus if they don't focus on Batman. Because yeah, I heartily of agree. The portrayal of Batman in these. Um, mm-hmm. Britton, did you have anything? Yeah, um, I watched, uh, <laughs> as, as usual, we're just going to do a hard switch here. I watched a movie from Denmark uh, last week. Yeah, a little movie well, called Another Round. Yeah. Yeah, another round directed by Thomas Vinterberg. Um, Vinterberg, yes. Uh, starring Mads Mikkelsen and some other people. And it is really, really wonderful. It's the story of these four guys who are all teachers who decide to try to live their lives with a certain level of blood alcohol content, thinking, oh, well, this will improve our lives. It'll make us happier. It'll make us more functional like this is going to make things things better and uh you can imagine how that probably goes but you may not know where the movie goes and it's a really i was really impressed with how the movie managed to sympathize with its characters but not um endorse the way they were handling because i feel like a movie about four middle-aged white guys deciding to be drunk to be happy could be the most like really we're doing this, but this movie is very much about like, hey, there's a lot more to happiness than that. Like you, 
it, it is a more complicated thing. And, and I think the movie is very uh, responsible in that way. And I, it's one of those movies where like, it's hard for me to describe why it works. It just works. Like everything just hangs together really nicely. It's easily my favorite Mads Mikkelsen performance. I think he's so good in this. Um, it's up for foreign language film at the Oscars. I haven't seen the other nominees. I'd be thrilled to see this one win. It's also up for director, which is cool. And uh, it's probably one of my favorite movies of the year. Uh, I, I really, really, really liked it. It's on Hulu right now. So it, it, it is neither super, super light, but it's also not as heavy as, as you might think it would be. Uh, it's just a good time that I really liked and has a great uh, ending sequence. Uh, and Mads Mikkelsen is great. It's called Another Round. Tyler, what is your relevant recommendation? Yeah, um, I've recommended a comic book the last couple of weeks, and so I'm, I'm bringing that home. Um, I am recommending uh, DC's The New Frontier. Oh, sure, uh, yeah. By Darwin Cook, who sadly passed away a few years ago. Oh, dear. Um, but it is a joyous, uh, just, like, incredibly well-realized vision of the Justice League in specifically set in the setting in the backdrop of the 60s and like like the 50s and 60s um and kind of everything that was happening in america at the time uh the title comes from a jfk speech about america being on the verge of the new frontier um and basically it's actually not too dissimilar to uh the i guess kind of the structure of um Zack Snyder's Justice League, simply because it starts with uh, Wonder Woman, Superman, and Batman, all as established characters, um, and introduces, it's kind of an origin story for both Martian Manhunter and Green Lantern. Um, Flash is already kind of established at that point, or at the point that the the book starts with, uh, and then Aquaman is also there (laughs) Um, but not as much of a focus uh but yeah basically it is about the justice league forming in these kind of troubled times that are are not necessarily easy for anyone to navigate and there's a lot of like backroom government deals and like shady stuff going on um it it is very much a response i think to watchmen uh it, it is sort of a what if watchmen happened in the dc universe and like it feels to me, I, I, I recently reread it for this in particular because I wanted to kind of get, have it on my mind. Um, it very much feels like a reaction to Watchmen in terms of like, well, the, you know, Watchmen is supposed to be superheroes in the real world would never work. Like, that's kind of the thesis. And this is like, well, what if we applied the real world to the superheroes and showed mm-hmm. how they can actually rise above and, the, you know, they can still inspire and provide hope. And, and even though they're going to get, you know, a little dirtier, there is a decent amount of blood in it, like a surprising amount yeah. of blood in, in New yeah. Frontier. Um, yeah. And uh, it, it's, it's relatively violent at times. Pe- people die and such. Uh, but it is also very much about these characters inspiring and, and joining together and rising above uh, the kind of conflict they're faced with. Um, so, yeah. Highly recommend it. I think I, I recommended Man of Steel, the miniseries last week, and much like that, I believe right now New Frontier is only available in a, like a, an expensive hardcover uh, collection. But again, highly recommend going and finding that online. Um, just 
Comixology is a is an easy one to use, or uh, probably Kindle. I'm sure you can do it through that. Uh, f- find somewhere online if you've never read New Frontier that you can get a digital version. It's probably like ten bucks or something like that. Because uh, it's it's real worth it. It's real good. The the art is gorgeous. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, I it's one thing it does that I really love is that Wonder Woman is like very specifically taller than Superman. Like you you see in every scene they are together in that that's like a thing that Darwin Cook has in his brain in terms of the um, anatomy, and he's like she's an Amazon. Yep. She should be taller than him. Like <laughs> obviously that's not a lot of comic book comic books approach it that way. Um, and yeah, it's great. Yeah, uh, Tyler lent me his his copy. Uh, I think it was last year sometime, and I I really liked it. It's a very impressive tome. Uh, yeah, definitely second that recommendation. Uh, that is my favorite comic book. So I third. There you go. <laughs> Take that bone. So okay. <laughs> second recommend. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Well, you can guys, find us online. We- at, yeah, at no, herecomethesequels.blogspot.com you can find us on twitter at sequels. you can email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com um, you can find us on spotify, soundcloud uh, apple podcasts and such uh, we out there <laughs> I um, we'll be back next week with a new franchise uh, we're going to be approaching this one a little bit differently we can talk more about that next week and uh, it's I, I, I referenced a few episodes back about how that was going to be our dessert. But now that I realized I really enjoyed dinner, hey, we also get more delicious food. <laughs> Maybe not next week specifically, but in this next franchise, I mm-hmm. think we will. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. And I've been Britain. I've been Tyler. Oh, I'm ending it. <laughs> <laughs> so, tell Zack Snyder how you feel about him. Thank you, Zach. You came, you came through for us one last time. <laughs> Thank you, Zack Snyder. And you're... Oh, I guess I'm Alex. And you're <laughs> having a good night. <laughs>